This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everyone? Happy Friday. So happy. Uh, so happy to be here. Um, I got a big smile on my face. The Jets are back tomorrow. And the Super Bowl weekend. Uh, Michael Remus here filling in for Hustler, who's out of town. Um, he's in Vegas, going to be enjoying the Super Bowl. He's not going to the Super Bowl, but he'll be... Well, you know, why watch it at home when you can watch it in Vegas, right? And he'll be cheering on the Chiefs, as we've heard all week. Uh, and also, it's his birthday today. Big milestone birthday for him. So make sure you give him a shout-out on Twitter. And I, before I get going into the show, uh, we're going to be... I'll give a shout out to all the sponsors, Manitoba Battery, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, uh, F Apparel, Culligan Water, uh, Princess Auto, Nick & Nicky DQ, Little Brown Jug, and Canadian Club. So thank you all for tuning in, and uh, we've got a great show coming up. Uh, Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period will be talking some hockey. Jay Zawoski from uh, CH. Gio, he's the host of the Chicago Blackhawks podcast, and I'll be talking with him about the visitors on Saturday. Big 9 p.m. start, can't wait. Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, he's been at Jets practice the last, uh, I guess, today and yesterday as they returned and heard all about what they were up to on the break. And finally, Lee Haxa Hamilton on the NFL Super Bowl weekend. It was the awards night yesterday, and also the Hall of Fame coming up. A lot of players that I um, grew up watching, now going to the Hall of Fame, and I think all their kids are in uh, are, are in the NFL now. So, uh, you know, today's reminder that we're all old. Anyways, I do want to give a mention. Yesterday at the end of the show, Hustler tweeted out, hard to believe two years ago today we got the word out of nowhere. After 10 years, the old station was done. We're all out of work. What a ride it's been since then. Thanks to everyone who has supported uh, since we started. And I mean, that tweet got 500 likes. We posted on Instagram, 500 likes. So a lot of people, I think what happened uh, 10 years ago or two years ago yesterday still stings, but we were able to make the best of a bad situation. And it really did affect a lot of people. And I mean, it didn't get shut down because nobody listened. They just they didn't want to pay the cost. I don't really want to get into that. But um, the responses, I read every single one. I tried to respond to as many as I could. So uh, thank you all for the support and, um, you know, kind of wasted all our bullets yesterday. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be celebrating the two-year anniversary of Winnipeg Sports Talk, the first show, which admittedly I had no idea what I was doing. And here I am at the microphone, at, you know, leading it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it'll be very, uh, very exciting as, you know, we're still, still early here in, uh, you know, the life of Winnipeg, ex Winnipeg Sports Talk. A uh, couple notes here. Um, I do have mentioned Andrew Harris signed a one-year contract with Toronto. He said it's going to be, he told Farhan it's going to be his last season in the CFL. Uh, so he'll be back with the Argonauts. Yeah, I forget the Argonauts defending Grey Cup champion, as painful as that to say. And the Jets did practice today, playing 9 p.m. Saturday in Chicago. They're back and they've had this rough schedule here. 31, uh, sorry, 16 games and 31 days in December. That's like less or more than one every second day. And again, 15 and 28 in January. 
they talked about how much they're looking for consistency for the final 30 games. And the Jets, I mean, they put themselves in a really good spot here. 32-19-1, points, second in the Central Division, 6-2-5 points percentage, and all eyes on the trade deadline. Uh, you know, Timo Meyer, the number one name on the trade bait list on TSN. I mean, there's everyone's got a list now. And we're talking to Dennis Bernstein, kind of fourth period's got a list. Chris Johnson's got a list. There's so many lists, but we'll go with TSN. Uh, he's got 51 points, 53 games. Got that six million cap hit with a ten million qualifying offer. Top defenseman on the list, Jacob Chikrin uh, from Arizona. Will they finally deal him? He's got an amazing contract. Two years left at four point six million. You could have him for three playoff runs. Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Bar- Ivan Barbashev, St. Louis got a number of names, and the Blackhawks as well. We'll be touching the Blackhawks with Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Jake McCabe, even Sam Lafferty creeping up there on the list. Before I bring in uh, Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. I do have to mention uh, mention the Jets lines. Ehlers, Shafley, Wheeler, Connor, Dubois, Perfetti, Barron, Lowry, Kuhlman. Uh, this is Menelain and Stanlin, Appleton, Gagne, and Axel, Janssen, Fialbi, the two extras, Morrissey, Pionk, Sandberg, Dillon, and Stanley Schmidt, Capo Bianco, the extra, no DeMello, no Gustafson. We'll get a further update from Scott Billick. Uh, Bones did mention yesterday he wanted Appleton with Barron and Lowry, we'll see how how that uh, shakes out. And Patrick Kane, I mean, he's been up there on the trade bait list. There was a report that you know he hadn't really decided if he wanted to get traded or not. And I'm going to give him full credit for the honesty. Uh, he was asked, I guess, in the press conference. Mark Lazarus tweeting this out about the trade yesterday. Tarasenko to the Rangers, and he said, "Quote: It's not the happiest I've ever been to hear about a trade. If things are going to happen." That was a team I was definitely looking at. It seems they kind of filled their void and went ahead and made a deal. Kane said he and agent Pat Brisson, uh, that's also Pierre-Luc Dubois' agent, uh, haven't outright told Kyle Davidson, that's the Blackhawks GM, what he wants. Obviously, you want to do right by the franchise and the organization has been amazing to me and given me so much. So you definitely want what's best for both sides. So Patrick Kane, uh, he had his eye on the Rangers and that's not going to happen anymore. We'll be talking more about the Blackhawks with Jay Zawoski of CHGO. He's their Blackhawks podcast host. They're also on YouTube. Link in the description. You can check out their channel. But right now, let's bring in Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period. We're going to talk about yesterday's Tarasenko trade and uh, other names on the trade bait list. So here is uh, Dennis. I caught up with him just before the show. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me today. Great uh, talking to you. You're back. I got to start off. How was your all-star weekend? We always have fun at All-Star Weekend. So that, that's number one. Number two, it's a live event, and I know it doesn't translate well on television. And, yes, I was in the arena for the skills competition. It was excruciating for three hours. So, uh, But the people that go, the six-year-old that gets to see his favorite Sasha Barkoff on the red carpet and get an autograph on his jersey, that's what it's about. So at the in-arena um, experience for the fans. The players do have fun. Now, maybe some players don't want to go, and like it's the 25th All Star game for Sid and Obi. But the first time players, they love it. Like Chandler Stevenson, like he was walking around in a dream. Like he's like, I can't believe I'm an All Star. And I always go back Rima, to like uh, 2019 when it was in St. Louis. Jacob Slavin, who's not a big point scorer, right? Um, so he'll never you know, win the Norris Trophy because he's, he's a great offensive player. 
But he, um, his family was there. He has a big family, his nuclear family, his extended family. It means something to those players. First-timers, it, it's a validation that for all the hard work and energy that you put in, long hours, your family put in to support you, that you've reached basically the pinnacle of what it takes to play in the National Hockey League. So I get it. I understand it. They have to revamp stuff. I love to see them bring back like the fantasy draft, throw sticks in the middle, and then play the game from there. Yeah, but the, the, the skills competition was very long. And, and the problem with that was is that probably the best competition was the one that wasn't in the arena, and that was the golf one. So, um, But we have a good time. We make the best of it. And the players who do um, have a really good time, it helps when it was 80 degrees the first day in South Florida, not so much uh, for the rest of the weekend. But uh, I'm really eager to see how Steve Mayer and the events team in the NHL kind of tweak the NHL, at least the skills competition for next year in Toronto. Yeah, big one next year for Toronto. You mentioned the first-time players. We were super pumped here to see Josh Morrissey. Uh, he's been in the yeah. league for a long time. It was great to see him rewarded for having such a breakout season here. And I think Connor Hellbuck, who's been to a couple now, uh, look, he got his whole equipment done up. He had family there, too. I think those guys were pumped, especially to get out of Winnipeg. It was it was freezing here that week. So a trip to Florida sounds, sounds pretty good. Um, moving on, we're approaching the trade deadline, March 3rd, but teams are getting going early. We did have a trade yesterday, Vladimir Tarasenko to the New York Rangers. All right, Dennis, we got to pick a winner and loser. What'd you make of, of this trade here? Vladimir Tarasenko, Nico Mikla for a first-round pick, Sammy Blay, Hunter Skinner, and a 2024 fourth-round pick. What'd you make of this deal? I think the only guy happier than Vladimir Tarasenko is Sammy Blay. Um, and that's the reason I made the trade, because Sammy Blay, I think he played... 70 games or something like that as a Ranger, he never scored a goal. This is a good player who was solid, and at the time, they wanted that component in New York with a little bit more toughness, you know, bottom six, but he just never delivered. He got hurt last season. That was tough when he got a knee injury, but I'm sure he's relieved to go back home. Um, the reason the Rangers made the trade is before the trade, they're right having combined goals between four players, and that was partially due to Sammy Glenn not having any, but when you have Kako with nine goals, Goals and Jimmy VC were like, they didn't have a top line guy. So Vladimir Tarasenko goes right to the top. And not that Vladimir's having a great year. I think he's only got 10 or 11 goals. But on this team with this talent, he should do better. It was a necessary move for the Rangers because when I looked at the right size, Remo, I, I just said this team isn't good enough on the right side to go deep. And so Chris Drury addressed that need. With respect to Simmons getting back to return, some of the people think it's underwhelming, but they have to remember Tarasenko had a full no trade clause. He was going to New York, and that was it, basically. So Army did the best he could do, and now he's got to turn his attention uh, to Ron O'Reilly because this team is not good. They, they deserve to be sold off. The good thing about St. Louis, if you're a St. Louis fan, though, MR, is that they still have pieces. You know, Thompson's on long-term. Kairos on long-term. I think uh, Krug and, and uh, Justin Falker signed till 2027. So this is not a fire sale. This is not Arizona where everybody's going to be leaving. Tarasenko will go. I assume Ryan O'Reilly will go behind him. Maybe he comes back offseason and size a small extension, uh, but it's a necessary move because St. Louis has been so bad defensively. Uh, but the thing is, Doug Armstrong's a loyal guy. He remembers the 2019 team that won a cup, and a lot of these guys are still on that team. I think he was waiting for a sign from this team and saying, okay, we need help. They've went in the other direction. I think they've lost six straight and looked bad doing it. Their defense isn't very, very good. So it was a necessary move, and I suspect before March 3rd, that Ryan O'Reilly leaves St. Louis as well. Yeah, the Jets beat the Blues in their last game before the break. It seemed to put the nail in the yep. coffin. And that was the one. 
and Doug Armstrong. He seems a guy who knows if the team is in or out. And uh, when they traded Stasny here, it seemed I think people were surprised when they traded Shattenkirk because they were kind of straddling the line. But he got a feel for his team, and they did end up winning the Cup yep. in 2019. So maybe it'll work out the same for them. Uh, after the Tarasenko deal, we now turn our attention to Timo Meyer. Is he the top dog here on, on your trade board? And, I mean, how does this trade yep. affect the market for him? Uh, well, it's a little bit different because Timo's restricted free agent and he's got a $10 million qualifying offer because of the way they wrote the contract. But if you sign him to a long-term deal, then you're not going to pay him $10 million a year. Here's the interesting thing. Go back to last week, the Horvat to the Islanders and now Tarasenko to the Rangers. And people have been connecting Timo Meyer to the Devils. So there's an arms race in the Metro New York area. That would be one of the teams that would be interested in Timo Meyer. And I'll tell you, Raymond, the one thing about Timo Meyer, he's got, what, 30, 31 goals? I would think he'd be part of the solution in St. Louis, not trade that guy. But they, they are bent on trading him at this point in time. I think the, the, the Devils and the Devils have played well, but now with Jack Hughes going out for a couple of weeks, Maybe it raises a sense of urgency in New Jersey with Tommy Fitzgerald, and he looks to trade Timo Meyer. But that would be a team I would connect. Also, the other team I would look at would be Carolina because the one thing – and I love that team, and I picked them to win the Cup, MR, but uh, they need more help offensively. That, that injury to uh, Pacioretty was big. It was big because Brent Burns has been great there, trading, uh, getting rid of Tony D'Angelo and his defensive shortcomings to make them an even better team. But they're going to need scoring help. And I mentioned Rod O'Reilly. I mentioned Rod O'Reilly on Carolina behind Sebastian Ajo in the middle. It's way better than Kock and Yemi or whatever they have right now in the middle. It's also a great 3C. So, yeah, Timo Meyer would be the next to go. Uh, and I would think that New Jersey should be the front runner because he would really fit. There's a spot on the New Jersey top six for another right winger. This would be a perfect fit whether they sign long term or not to another story. But I would certainly think that New Jersey's the lead dog for Timo Meyer at this point. One other player now is a top scoring right winger, uh, Patrick Kane. You know, we're kind of unsure. Is he going to yeah. waive his no move clause or not? Uh, what do you make of the situation there? And is also, we're hearing now that he's got some uh, nagging hip injury. I mean, is he going to command a lot in a deal? Or in, where do you see him landing if he gets traded? Yeah. Yeah, I don't see the hip injury, and I've talked to some people, that's going to be that much of a barrier. There's a little bit of concern, but it's not a situation where he's going to be out, like Augustus Nyquist, who's going to be out for the rest of the regular season. And it's interesting that Columbus said he's going to be out for the rest of the regular season. So it, it try to help out with respect to the trade situation with him. So say, look, you can trade for him, uh, but he won't be ready until April. So uh, Patrick Kane, I think there's a logical fit for Patrick Kane. You know, it's Dallas. You put him on there, and, and I, I think this is a situation where in Dallas is a player who was a long-standing player uh, for a franchise, one of the faces of the franchise. All Patrick Kane has to do is call up uh, Joe Pavelski and ask him about his experience in Dallas. Joe came there after a long run with San Jose, loved it, signed an extension there. It makes a lot of sense. I certainly think that Dallas is a contender. They're the favorites, even though Colorado is the best team in that division. Given their injury situation in Colorado, I don't know if they're ever going to be healthy, Remo. Um, they might go. I think Patrick Kane to Dallas would make a lot of sense. Um, and then you take your chance from there. And yeah, Patrick still decided if he wants to wants to move. But I think when you look at that Dallas team, they're ready to win. They have a great goalie in Jake Ottinger. Jason Robinson's done great things. Uh, that top line with him and Hinton Pavelski, it'd be a really nice fit. So he still wants to decide if he, he's going to go. But I, I think that 
Uh, such a prideful player, Rima. He's done, and it's been a bad season with a lot of losing in Chicago. The great thing about him is he doesn't have to chase a cup. He's won three in Chicago. So it's not a situation like Jerome McGinley, who was chasing a, a cup at the end of his career. This is a situation where I would be totally fine if I was a Chicago fan if he wanted to stay. But you could figure out the return on a Patrick Kane. It's going to be two or three assets. It would certainly help their rebuild. If he wanted to come back in the offseason, that's great. But I would connect right now. I think the lead dog for Patrick Kane would be Dallas at this point. Yeah, I joked earlier this week that, you know, maybe he wants to take take off the summer and, you know, recover if there is an injury. And he's already won three cups. You know, maybe you value uh, that recovery time and you're not really looking to chase cups. He said, like a Ginlaw did or... Uh, remember what Ray Bork as well traded to Colorado yeah. and that's going, going way back, but still feels like yesterday uh, to me here. Um, you know, we mentioned all these forwards, O'Reilly, Tarasenko got traded, Horvat, Kane. I haven't really talked about defense. It seems like there's one top dog in Jacob Chikrin. Um, is he going to get traded? And if a team misses out on them, who's, who's the consolation prize? And is there even one? Well, you know, Jacob Chikrin has been talked about in Los Angeles for like 20 years kidding not 20 years for the last couple of years because they have a need on the left side uh he would certainly fill it he'd be really they they have a kind of a gap they're using sean dozier now as their second pair of left defenseman good kid brings him offense but he's really a right defenseman uh right now could you imagine jacob chickerman and charlie mcavoy on the top here in boston like should they plan the parade if they make that trade that would be the trade to make and and i do hear that the bruins are interested so with all the chatter about los angeles forever I think right now Boston's probably the top contender for, for them because, remember, as great as they are this season, Bergeron's 37, Krejci's 36. They're both unrestricted at the end of the season. They haven't signed Pasta, although they really need to, and I can't imagine this team without the David Pasternak. But this is this is the best opportunity for Don Sweeney to win a cup here because you don't know about their centers, and both guys decide to leave and not want to play another season. Like you're going to have to have – have find two centers next season because Charlie Cole is in the answer. No shake has been fine, but th- th- these guys are not going to take those guys place. So that's it. The consolation prize right now, I assume would be a guy like uh, Joel Edmonton in Montreal, or the, the probably the best guy at the rentals would be Vladislav Gavrikov out of uh, Columbus. Sturdy state home guy, not spectacular, but a nice, if you have a great top pair defenseman to pair him with them, stay at home, left shot, shot defenseman. Those are a couple of guys. And then Proveroff in, in Philly, but I think that's leaning more towards an off-season deal because of his $6 million cap hit. But I look at Edmonton in, in Montreal and certainly Gavrikov in Philly. So there are consolation prizes. If And again, it, it's up to Bill Armstrong. If somebody doesn't meet his, his ask of probably three assets plus a first round, including a first-round pick, He'll, he'll he'll keep Jacob Chicken to the offseason. The issue there is that then you if you trade from the offseason, you only get him for two playoff runs. I assume he's going to trade it to a contender because he's unrestricted at the end of the next two seasons. If you trade him now in the moment before March 3rd, you get him for three playoff runs, which accordingly would raise the return on Jacob Chicken. You mentioned a lot of teams looking to buy um, Carolina, Boston, New Jersey. I mean, we've already had a couple deals. After March 3rd, who are you – Projecting as your uh, winner of the trade deadline. Hmm. I think St. Louis, because you could probably get for a team that's really not that bad. Look, they've under a tree, but they're not bad. And Jordan Benton ever focuses on playing hockey and making saves as opposed to, you know, it's clown act on the ice. Like that team can bounce back. So I, I think that would be the, that, that would be the winner. And then I, I think the, the, the team that gets Timo Meyer because he's not a rental 
Like, and you sign him to a long-term deal, and this is a bona fide 30-goal score. This is not a guy who's having a great – this is not Andrew Mountchiapani who had a great 30-goal season, got paid, and now he's going to score 15 or 20 goals. This is a bona fide goal scorer. So I think it's the guy who turned – I think the Islanders have already won because now they have – look at the depth they have at center. Like they had to move Barzell over to the left wing, which I, I like that move because Bo Horvat is clearly the better center. I think he's second in face-off wins this season. But now they have Brock Nelson. They have Casey Sasekis. They have uh, John – uh, Gabriel Pajel. Watch out for Pajel because I'm not sure the Islanders are going to make the playoffs. It's going to be touch and go because even last night, you think they'd, they'd score four goals and win a game and wind up losing a, a bad loss to Vancouver when this team's on the outside looking in. Like Pajel could be the guy to move because you could then move Barzell back to the middle. You know, Barzell, Horvat, Brock Nelson, Suzekis. So he might be a, 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 a someone in play in the offseason, not in the regular season. But I really do like what the Islanders did with Bo Horvat because they need to score goals. You know, this team, I think there was a stretch where it was eight straight games and 13 out of 14 where they scored two goals or less. They needed offense. They got it with Bo Horvat. So like that trade for them. And then I think Vancouver. Why can game Vancouver? Because now they're looking to trade Brock Bezer. Can they trade Luke Shen? They can build a lot of assets. And when you watch them last night, they got some players because Menko's been great for them. Pedersen's really, I think Pedersen has last 82 games has over 100 points. That they have parts of it. There's a lot of heavy lifting to do in Vancouver, but the teams that are sellers can stand like St. Louis and Vancouver can stand to be big winners here, even though the seasons haven't been great. Yeah, it is kind of Vancouver. I mean, they had that playoff run a couple of years ago. They have talented players, but uh, haven't been able to put it together. Um, Darren, you are in LA and it is a big weekend there celebrating Dustin Brown. I know when they mm-hmm. announced I think it was over the summer that they were going to build a statue. I think people outside the LA market kind of raised their eyebrows. Um, yeah. But not if you're in LA. I mean, what, how can you describe what Dustin Brown meant to the LA Kings franchise uh, during his time there winning two cups and being the captain as well? I will tell you this, the fan base in Los Angeles doesn't care what people outside the city care about in other markets. It, it's not about that. It's about a, a player who helped lead this team out of the wilderness. It was 45 years. They had won a cup. Some fans thought they would die without seeing a cup, and Dustin Brown is, the, I think, the only American captain who raised the cup twice um, in, in the history of the, of the NHL. Um, he means a lot to this. He's, he's one of their core four. There's Brown, there's Kopitar, there's Quick, and there's Dowdy. Now, granted, Dustin Brown's not going to get to the Hall of Fame, but he is integral to the winning uh, in 2012 and 2014. We talked to Dean Lombardi on our podcast yesterday about the leadership, and, yeah, they transitioned the captaincy from – from Brown to Kopitar, and that was a that was a point of contention for Dustin. But he's deserving of it because, again, he means a lot to this fan base. When you see tomorrow, if you tune in, the tears from the fans, like that's what it's about. It's for the fans, right? That that's what it's about. And I would suspect that there's going to be other statues around Crypto.com Arena if its name if that name sticks for the next couple of seasons. Like I asked, like I asked Andre Kopitar, I said, "Have you picked out a spot for your?" Statue yet? And he looked at me. He goes, "Are you retiring me?" I go, no, "I'll do that next season when you're finally year of your contract." So, but he means a lot to this franchise room. And if you don't get it outside of Los Angeles, you raise your eyebrow. Like that's on you. He, he's he's deserving of this honor. I know him personally. Am I biased? I am. He's been a friend over the years. But but he's embodied what those championship team teams and years meant here in Los Angeles. He's deserving of it. And I think it's going to be a great ceremony, very emotional, and the fans are, are really looking forward to it. It's, it's a big night. The Kings have been playing this arena since October. This is a big night. You tell people, get in at 6 o'clock, get in at 7. It's going to be a, a celebration. And it's going to be just the first step of the, the core four. He's the first one of the core four to retire. But 
it's an honor that's deserving. I, I don't care what people outside of Los Angeles um, say. I know what he's meant to this franchise and the fan base. Yeah, hey, I, I agree. I loved watching those uh, LA Kings teams, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how they manage, uh, where they can find all the space for all those statues, as you mentioned, <laughs> for Doughty, Kopitar, and and quick big uh, big week at crypto.com arena with lebron setting the uh, point record too that's yeah. that's pretty cool well dennis thank you so much for your time i always appreciate uh you coming on the show and talking hockey with you looking forward to seeing what happens as we approach the trade deadline uh, next month yeah it's always good being on winnipeg sports talk Remo. thanks for the time i appreciate it and there he is dennis bernstein of the fourth period make sure uh give him a follow on twitter at dennis tfp and he's also on sirius xm as well love talking uh hockey with dennis i think i've been calling him to do shows uh gotta be closing in on 10 years i've been uh giving dennis a call so i appreciate uh talk with him out in la and i am seeing all the chats uh did chevy make a trade yet i guess we are on trade watch uh, the deadline march 3rd if you are enjoying the show so far please help us out hit the thumbs up Hit the subscribe button. It tells YouTube, hey, we got some good content here and it's more likely to recommend it to other people who might be interested in it. And hey, if you want to go a step further, you can hit the notification bell. You'll get a little notification there when we go live or post a video. And also in the description, all of our social medias, Instagram, closing on 3,100, Facebook, we've got about 1,500 followers, Twitter as well. So uh, all of the, any way you can support uh, by following us on there uh, and hitting those like buttons, engaging with our content, tells the algorithms that we got good stuff and hopefully recommends it to more people. We've got Jay Zawoski coming up from, uh, he's the po- Chicago Blackhawks podcast host at CHGO and their YouTube link in the description. Um, but first, Hustler, he's got some uh, big messages. Then we'll talk about the Jets opponent on Saturday at the big 9 p.m. start. Folks, the deep freeze, unfortunately, is about to go down here in Winnipeg. Is your car ready for it? More importantly, is your battery ready for it? If uh, you're a little leery about whether you can make it through a series of minus 30 loads, pop down a Manitoba battery, get a quick battery test to let you know how you're looking for the rest of the winter. And if you do need one, you'll be there shopping local getting the best price in town on an incredible selection of batteries if you know that you need one just give them a phone call though or hit them up online at manitobabattery.com and they'll deliver it to you citywide same day if you get your order in by 3 p.m that's the manitoba battery difference great service from donnie and his staff if you're down on logan avenue and they'll save you time and money by delivering it citywide. Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue, and online at manitobabattery.com. Don't procrastinate because the cold is here. Um, our friends at Consolidated Supply are not really thinking about the cold right now. They're more looking ahead to what summer has to offer. And listen, if you're in the golf industry, you certainly know what Consolidated Supply has done as the leaders in irrigation services and artificial turf. And of course, if you've got any need for a customized golf cart, they're the club car dealer in town and service the entire province. But in addition to that, incredible landscape projects are coming together for the summer, including beautiful outdoor kitchens 
and hot tubs as well. Consolidated Supply has it all. Joe Spicy and the gang are waiting for you. Open to the public. Pop down and see them. 1395 Niagara Road East. Or check them out online at their newly revamped website at cte.ca. Don't forget, folks, you still got a couple days left to nominate an unsung hero for our January award with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey. Send us an email to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com and let us know about that person in your life or in your community spending a lot of time and a lot of effort to help others, whether it's extended hours doing charity work with one of the local charities in town, working within the school system, those extra hours of coaching, officiating, timekeeping, refereeing, so many people that do extra things to make sure that um, the show goes on. Send us that email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We have an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey for this month's uh, Unsung Hero. Wallace and Wallace will donate $500 in the name of the WST listener that nominated the Unsung Hero to the Dream Factory. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that as well. And all, of course, in support of the Dream Factory, of which Josh is an ambassador for. And hey, just before we get to noodles, don't forget, if you're still dealing with being a little under the weather, uh, you got to pop by Vita Health Fresh Market. Incredible immunity products, natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, all at great prices, and carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And battling colds and sore throats has never been easier right now with Colflex Oregano Spray, made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Right, Hustler does such a great job with those ad reads. And yes, I'm filling in. He's on. He's in Vegas right now, enjoying the Super Bowl. His Kansas City Chiefs. I think he pulled out every single Chiefs clothing item that he owned to wear on the show during the week. Well, I'm very excited to bring in our next guest, Jay Zawoski. He's the host of the Chicago or CHGO Blackhawks podcast. They're also on YouTube. Uh, link to their channel in the description, uh, CHGO. And here he is, Jay Zawoski. Jay, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Of course. Happy to do it, Michael. How are you? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. We're counting down here to this Jets Blackhawks 9 p.m. start. Now, you guys are the, the visiting team in Chicago, so I guess like you know it's kind of like playing a West Coast game. But for the Jets, who are the home team, 9 p.m. start. Got to accommodate those uh, big TV networks, am I right? I guess so. Yeah, I guess that's, that's what needs to happen. So uh, a little late night post game for us that night, but no big deal. We get to talk about hockey for a living, so who can complain, there, right? There you go. Well, you know, to think of talking about hockey for a living, it's got to be tough following the Chicago Blackhawks uh, this year. I mean, what's it been like? What is, what's the fan base, their reaction to, you know, this summer where it was pretty clear they were going for the tank and going for uh, Connor Bedard. You're, you guys doing the uh, lottery simulator? How's it been going there? Oh, maybe you've seen the show. Yes, we do do the lottery simulator uh, at the end of all of our post-game show. We uh, post-game shows we update our tank standings uh, every game. So we've got a nice little graphic with a spank uh, tank spinning and uh, the updated to the moment standings and everything. And then I will usually use the uh, the tank sim 
to ask for more likes on YouTube. Say, oh, we got, you know, 70 likes. If we get to 80, we'll get an extra tank spin. And right away, <laughs> you know, they come oh, in. And good. If, if we spin it and the Hawks get the number one pick, we bank whatever we've earned. So I think we have two in the bank for tonight. So, yeah, it's 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 fun. It, it's, it has been tough. Like, game to game, it's really hard to talk about because not only are they rebuilding – but they don't have any prospects on this team that really project to be here when they're good again. There's a couple guys like there's Philip Kurashev, Lucas Reichel had a call up, you know, Seth Jones obviously won't be going anywhere anytime soon because his, his contract is so impossible to trade. Um, so it's really been what's going to happen with Kane and Taves basically since last summer. And we're still waiting to know what the answer to that question is going to be. It's it's that's been the bulk of our content has been Kane and Taves based. Yeah, and we've been talking about uh, Jonathan Taves a lot here as well, being from Winnipeg. But we'll start with Patrick Kane. As there was, you know, we're kind of waiting to see is he going to be give the okay to get traded? You guys reported CHGO last week that he really hasn't hasn't. And then yesterday, the Rangers trade for Vladimir Tarasenko, and that was the destination that Kane wanted to go to and today I said at the start of the show I said to my, uh, to reporters and Mark Lazarus uh, of the Athletic tweeting this out Kane saying it's not the hap- it's not like the happiest I've been to hear about a trade if things are going to happen that was a team I was definitely looking at it seems like they filled their void and went ahead and made a deal but isn't it Kane isn't it up to Kane if he wants to get traded and he's kind of kind of dragging his feet on on the decision here I mean what do you make of uh, these comments from Kane and is he going to be on the move well, it sounds like he's going to be on the move if he's talking about places he's wanted to go. I, We really don't know. Like, No one can really seem to tell what either of these guys wants to do. I'm not sure that either of them really know exactly what they want to do. I think if if they can have it their way and they don't want to be Hawks anymore, maybe they just let themselves become free agents and walk away. But I do think they both feel a little bit of uh, – you know, like they owe the club a little bit to try to do what's best for them and accept a trade so the team can move on. I don't know. Uh, and for Patrick Kane to say, well, you know, I was kind of disappointed to see the Rangers fill their void. Well, Patrick, you've known for months and months and months and months that the GM is just waiting to hear from you whether or not he can trade you. That's all. We've all been waiting for Patrick Kane to give that okay. Kyle Davidson from day one said, I will not approach them about a trade. If they want to be traded, they'll tell me, then I will begin the process. Obviously, it's not that black and white. There have been conversations, back channel things going on. But until Kane or Taves gives approval, yes, I want to be dealt, Kyle Davidson's hands are tied. So for Patrick Kane to show some disappointment that the Rangers went ahead and said, we're not going to wait. Vladimir Tarasenko is right here. Let's just trade for him now and, and solve our problem. He can't be upset about that because if, if he said two weeks ago, yeah, trade me, there's a very good chance he could be a Ranger right now. Yeah, Tarasenko, really nice fit there. Lower cap hit, friends with uh, Artemi Panera, and that first line is going to look uh, look pretty good. Another guy you've talked about all year, Jonathan Taves. I mean, how has his season gone so far? Um, do you think he could be a guy who could help another team? And what's his current and there's like three questions here i'm asking but like what's his current injury status because we're not going to see him uh for a couple games on the start of this blackhawks road trip yeah he's been doing with the flu um he's been out i think five days and he'll miss the two games uh tonight and tomorrow so that's not great but luke richardson did flat out say flu 
It is not COVID. It is not tied to his um, immune response syndrome that kept him out of the 2021 season. This is just your typical run-of-the-mill flu. The Hawks earlier this season had a bunch of guys miss some games with the flu as it went around the room. I think they're saying, stay away. You know, we're going to hit this road trip. And when you're feeling better, come out and join us. Great. The wins don't matter. They actually don't want wins. So playing without Jonathan Davis for a few games uh, probably isn't the worst thing. Uh, how has he been this year? Well, that was the big question coming in because last year I was really disappointed in him as a captain last year. Um, you know, he was openly griping about, uh, you know, dealing with a bad team. And he said, I don't know how to be a captain for a team like this. He made some disappointing statements around the Kyle Beach uh, situation saying, well, you know, Sam Bowman's always been good to me. So I don't know why a guy should just lose his, lose his, lose his livelihood. Cause of one thing that happened 10 years ago, there were a lot of bad things on the ice. He was clearly unhappy last year. And let's be honest from the Kyle beach thing, to Jeremy Colleton to everything that happened last year, no one would be happy, especially a competitor like Jonathan Taves came in this year, scored the first goal of the season for the Hawks, which was huge for him. I think huge for Hawks fans to see that he was back. I think Jonathan Taze for a team like Winnipeg playing on a second or third line center role could be extremely valuable. Uh, I think he's going to find himself rejuvenated by a playoff hunt, by a playoff run. Uh, I think if he is not forced to be a number one or number two center all the time and constantly centering power play one, I think taking some of that workload off of him would really benefit the team that's trading for him. What you're looking for now is very similar to what the Hawks got in 2015 when they traded for Antoine Vermette. Uh, someone to solidify your center depth, to play you know, around the whole rink and to add some scoring. He's not going to be the kind of guy who's going to lead your team in scoring. He's not going to win a con Smythe or anything at this point in his career, but he's going to go win your face-offs. He's going to kill penalties. He's going to play in the power play, and he's going to be responsible in all ends in every playoff team can use a center like that. It, I, the Vermette comparisons uh, are, are very striking to me because it's exactly what the Hawks needed in 2015, and it got them their third Stanley Cup. So, so that's kind of what I would compare Jonathan Taze to. Now, Jonathan Taze is a better player in the career span than Antoine Vermette, of course, but Jonathan Taze now at 34 is pretty comparable to what Vermette was then. So that's kind of what yeah, Antoine Vermette. I'll here for all the classic uh hockey names. Haven't heard that one in quite a while, but I do remember uh, him being a solid ad for Chicago there and also when he was on when he was on Ottawa. And I do wonder if he was on a team that had, you know, a positive direction, how much it it affect you know, how much it would just give you a, that boost. I mean, it's gotta be tough going out with the you know, you've played on some great teams, now you're playing on a team going for the tank. Uh, night after night where, you know, your fans are upset when you win games is told me yeah. off air. So <laughs> we'll true. have to see uh, what happens, but you expect, you expect both of those guys to get moved for sure. Cause we can go on to some of the other guys who are on well, uh, the big trade bait list after. Here's what I'll tell you. The Hawks would like to trade them both. Um, not because of any off ice things or anything like that, but they know that if they could add, let's let's say you trade Kane <laughs> and Taves. I've done that for 15 years um, where I mix up the, the words. Um, if you end up landing a combination of, you know, a first round pick, maybe two, a second or a third round pick and a good prospect or two for those two guys, you want to talk about accelerating a rebuild 
that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And, you know, a lot of people kind of look back at that Brandon Hagel trade and say, what were the Hawks doing? He's young. He's cheap. They got two players and two first round picks for him, you know, and, and it, that's the kind of trade that worked out well for both teams. And I think the Hawks need to look at getting as many assets as they can, especially in this draft in particular, because it is so stacked uh, right now. They've got two first round picks already. Um, one of which will probably be a top three pick. Um, we don't know what they're going to add at the deadline, but let's say they add two first round picks in this year's draft at this deadline, right? Somehow, whether it's Max Domi's Lafferty, whoever we're going to get to here in a little bit, um, you got, you know, your top three pick and you've got three more in the first round. What if Matvey Mitchkoff falls to six or seven and the Hawks say, Hey, how about two of those draft, two of our first round picks later in this round, and we'll wait the five years or six years it's going to take for Mitchkov to come over is our second pick in this draft. So they could potentially end up with somebody like Bedard or Fantilli or Leo Carlson and Matvey Mitchkov. Now you're, now you're talking right now. You're now you're starting to see the path forward for the Blackhawks here. And, and I think Kyle Davidson did a good job of getting him off to that start last year with Korchinski and Nazar and Renzel and, and all the people really loved this draft the Hawks had. And if they can have another one like last year, which will probably be better again because you're going to get probably Fantilli or Bedard. Um, there, this rebuild could not maybe won't last that long. Well, they have you know I'm looking at the TSN trade bait list and there's a number of Blackhawks on there and Kane and Taves, Lafferty, um, Jake McCabe and Domi and Domi's another name that's been linked here to Winnipeg. He signed what offseason contract one year, uh, three million dollars with Chicago and I thought it was a great move. For him and the Blackhawks, one, they got a guy they can trade at the deadline. And for him, he gets opportunity to play on a top line. He's got 35 points uh, this season. Um, what do you make of Max Domi's year? And what could he bring to a team if uh, they choose to acquire him at the deadline? I went back and watched a show we did uh, ahead of free agency. And we were just kind of rattling through the unrestricted free agents. And Max Domi's name came up and I went, meh. Because... You know, it's a guy who's never really been able to find his footing anywhere. There's been some like kind of whispers that maybe he's not the greatest guy in the room, like maybe a bit of a malcontent a little bit. He has completely changed my mind. Like he came in here from day one, uh, smile on his face, ready to go. He knows the assignment, right? He knows his team's not going to be good. He never pouted about it. He was he's been the team's number one center all year. Uh, there have been moments where I've been frustrated with him for his uh, unwillingness to shoot. And I think a lot of that is him just deferring to Patrick Kane all the time, which is kind of an epidemic around the Blackhawks. Whenever Kane's on the ice, everybody's looking for him all the time. And the few games where Patrick Kane missed this year, where Domi was able to be the number one guy in the line, he was so much better. And much like Jonathan Taves, you know, Domi is a better center than I expected him to be. He's really good at the faceoff dot. And if you're looking for a consolation prize to one of these top free agents like Kane, Taves, you know, Timo Meyer, uh, Ryan O'Reilly potentially out there, if you miss out on those kind of guys, bringing in someone like Max Domi could be a really affordable, under-the-radar move um, that could really help your team out a lot. I, I just hope that Max Domi finds somewhere and settles because I've really been pleased with the way he's played this year. He has sort of expressed his want to stay in Chicago long-term, which I do think is a possibility because they're going to need players next year, right? They're not just going to call up the Rockford Ice Hogs. They're going to have to find some more, you know, Domi, Athanasiu, one-year deal types. Maybe at the deadline they take on some bad veteran contracts. 
to help out teams with some cap space to fill out some roster spots next year. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Domi just ends up staying in Chicago. It would not surprise me. So I think that's the sort of thing where Kyle Davidson's going to say, I'm going to set a price in my head. I'll take nothing less than a second round pick or whatever. And if I don't get it, I'll just keep Domi and resign him. I, you know, I, he's not the kind of guy that's going to ruin a tank. Um, but if, if someone's willing to give you a first round pick or a really good prospect for him, I think you're opening to listening. I mean, that, that was the whole purpose of the Domi contract in the first place. Give this guy a chance to play, like you said, in the top six, he's played in the top three most of the season uh, to get his points up there, show what he can do, and then be flipped at the deadline, which benefits everybody. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Max Domi playing on a number of teams. Uh, been with Arizona, Montreal, Columbus, Carolina at the end of last season, and now now Chicago. Would be nice to see him settle down somewhere. Last one before we go, um, Sam Lafferty. A lot of people don't really know about him, but he's got uh, he's got one year left after the season on his deal, making one point one five million. Uh, who is who is Sam Lafferty? I, you know, I always see his name and I think um, Lafferty Daniel from. Everyone Happy. makes that joke. Yes, we, everyone, we actually, everyone everyone makes that joke. We have a guy in our YouTube chat named Lafferty Samuel. Um, ah. That was that was the first when I when the Hawks traded Alex Nylander for him, American Hockey League All Star Alex Nylander. Um, the, everyone was kind of like, I don't know who this guy is. So, on a contender, Lafferty is a really good fourth line center, fourth line player. He is really fast. Um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of finish in his game. Uh, he is not the most consistent guy in the world, but he's going to give you everything he's got every night, every shift. Um, he's not going to go out and Jacob Truba people and run people over, but he plays physically. He does show now and again a little knack for scoring. He's very streaky. He started the season hot, then didn't score for like 20 games. Then all of a sudden is starting to pick up some points again. That's another guy I would like to see the Hawks hang on to and see what they can, you know, and keep him around for next year and see if if he turns a corner offensively. Um, but again, in a draft that's as deep as it is, and with so many teams looking to buy, you might be able to get something for Sam Lafferty you can't refuse. And uh, if, if someone offers a first or a high second for him, you got. I, I think Kyle Davidson's listening on everybody. I don't think he's shutting the door on anything, uh, but I think Sam Lafferty, you know, even lesser than Domi could be a really sneaky uh, trade deadline move for, for a contender to solidify their depth. And maybe he's your 13th forward entering the playoffs, but he can play wing. He can play center. Uh, he's physical. He can score a little bit. He's, he's a nice player. It's just kind of unknown. All right. Well, Jay, it's been uh, great having you on the show. I love what you guys are doing over at uh, CHGO on, on YouTube. Uh, check out, uh, he's the host of the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. So, uh, thanks again for coming on the show and giving your insight on the Chicago Blackhawks. We're looking forward to Saturday's game. Well, let's hope the Hawks lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, see you later. Thanks. Thanks. thanks again. All right. There, there he is, Jay Zawoski. Give him a follow on Twitter, uh, at Jay Zawoski. Uh, really, some great insight there on I don't know the Blackhawks' names that are on top of the TSN trade bait list. And, we talked about the Blackhawks. We went around the NHL. Now we're going to uh, join shortly by Scott Billick, who's uh, fresh off two days of Jets practice. But first, Hustler is going to fill us in on a couple things. Then we'll uh, bring in Scott Billick. When you're talking about fan gear for literally any league, whether you're a Jets fan, Bomber fan, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, Raptors, Jays, they've got it all. The best selection 
maybe in the country, to be perfectly honest with you, with everything there. And while you're there, check out that great Yeti section as well for those of you that spend some time outside. And make sure to check out their incredible selection of hockey equipment and skates, including perfect casual skates. Affordable, perfect for jumping out on the uh, on the river or some of the ice trails or ODRs. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Guys, if you uh, if the wardrobe needs an uptick, you know where to go. F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street. Andrew Parks and his great staff are ready for you. They'll get you sized up, fitted, and you can get custom suits beginning at just 400 bucks. March more than just suits as well, though. Chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both to be worn tucked and untucked, and a great selection of men's accessories. And, fellas, if you're in a wedding party, don't forget the F Apparel special. Don't waste your time and money on uh, suits that you got or uh, tuxes that you got to return. Custom suits for the entire wedding party starting at 400 bucks, and you'll get a 15% discount for everybody when you get your suits at F and another great deal for 2023 grads, a free shirt and custom shirt and tie for any young man in the class of 2023. When you get your suit at F apparel, F apparel, 190 Smith street downtown. And of course you can check them out or make an appointment online at F that's E P H apparel.com. And, uh, as I mentioned, I popped into BP yesterday after uh, the Jet game to see what was happening in that Ducks-Colorado game and was pleasantly surprised that the Ducks had three goals in them in the third period. But um, I'm always – never surprised, but it's always pleasant popping by BP, uh, those world-famous Boston Wings in a schooner to uh, maybe take the sting off a tough night in the arena is always good. And, man, those pizzas are delicious. Uh, whether you're popping into your local BP this weekend – or ordering online at bostonpizza.com. Make it BP this weekend. And there's Huss. He's in Vegas right now, uh, getting ready to celebrate Super Bowl LVII. I think that's that's 57, right? Is that that 57? Um, Anyways, uh, about to bring in Scott Billick here with the Winnipeg Sun. He spent the last two days at Jets practice, tweeting out lines and Getting yeah. set. Um, first, Scott, it's you know, I haven't talked to you for a week. How was how was your all star break? I did nothing. I was I was off. I had like a bunch of days owed to me and I did nothing. I didn't get to go away to Mexico or any of these places all these uh higher paid reporters got to go to. Um, but uh no, I just I did nothing. I played a lot of video games. Um Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But the and Hogwarts that, one? Are you doing Hogwarts? I have not uh, tried that yet. I hear that's a very contentious game. But, uh, um, I mean, I, I've heard the game's really good. I just haven't played it yet. So I, I, I plan on probably playing it. But uh, I hope I don't get canceled in the chat. So I don't know anything yeah. about the Hogwarts game. I just see people tweeting. It's like about it's a Harry it. Potter, right? So Yeah. But it's like it's a different type of Harry. Like it's it's. I don't know, like, if listeners have played, like, The Witcher or Elden Ring or, like, I mean, it's not as hard, as difficult as the Elden Ring is, but, like, it's an open-world type of RPG game. But, all like, right. because J.K. Rowling and her, um, all of her problems with uh, the trans community and, and that sort of thing, I, I they've, like, the game has nothing to do with her other than the fact that it's built in the Harry Potter world, so... Um, there's been a lot of uh, controversy. Okay, um, I haven't seen that. I am looking forward. Game, to, yeah, 
I know it's not Winnipeg video game talk as much uh, as I would like it to be, but I'll pull, uh, I will talk Call of Duty all day if you want to. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not a I'm not a Call of Duty guy. There is a Catan the board game coming out on the console edition. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah if you're Catan, a big yeah. right. big Catan guy. Any, anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, we'll go to the to the Jets. You spent the last two days of practice. I guess the big news: uh, Mason Appleton back in a regular yeah. jersey. He seems pretty fired up. Uh, to get back, how is he fitting in uh, on the lineup? Yeah, I mean, as you would be, I suppose, if you've missed uh, three months of, of game, you busted your wrist and, you know, just a freak accident and got a rule change or a safety, I guess, a safety thing um, implemented into the into the league, league-wide, which is, um, I, we didn't know that until yesterday. That's kind of interesting. Nobody really um, talked about that, but they have to now cover off the uh, – I, I, for the lack of their term, you call it the ref hole. Yeah, did um, they put it, like um like a like a it's like, that know, they could tuck? Yeah, so like there's a hole always in the center of the like it, where they can talk to the scorekeepers and all yeah. that the NHL officials that are in there. Um, so you always see them like kind of like you know go into the I'm like trying to do it here. Um, it looks ridiculous, but like you know you'll see the ref kind of like talking to the scorekeeper. I, oftentimes now they just open up the uh, the the penalty box, one of the doors to the box and, and talk through there. Often you find that now. Um, but yeah, it, I think they've put in a thing where it's kind of like the, the photographer holes where they have like this, um, it's basically like a seal that they put yeah, in. It's got I, a handle, you turn it, it opens, you can take it out so you can stick the lens into it and you get like a, you know, a much clearer view or whatever. Um, so they've done that now essentially with um, the scoreboard thing. So your stick can't get, you know, jammed in there. Um, like it, I mean, that, that, that literally, it's it happens so rarely, right? Like, but you know, it's it's a small safety thing that'll go a long way till not have somebody else miss three months or however long, you know, depending. You know, I, I think the worst case scenario is like you break your stick or somebody gets impaled or or, or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is. He's happy to be back. I mean, let, you know, that's just that's where he is. He's happy to be back. He's happy to be playing with with Adam Lowry. Um, he's happy to be, um, you know, just back in the mix. And I, I you know, I think, I, it, you know, he, he didn't like the idea of the, the player break because I think he was ready to come back then. But I think, you know, he's kind of, because of the rust and all those types of things that come with this, and they've talked a lot about rust, and if you've watched any of the games coming out of the player breaks and all that, you've seen it. Um, you know, the first period has been good. But I think this is kind of good for, for Mason to come back into this where he's um, kind of on the same playing field in terms of, you know, guys of legs and got to get going and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, he'll be good for the PK. That's where he was before. Um, you know, he's was a big part of why it started off so well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just happy to get back into the lineup and he's got that speed back. So, I mean, that's kind of... Um, I think that's what a lot of people like about Mason Appleton is his speed and his tenacity, and 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 uh, yeah, he, he's uh, he's going to be back in the lineup tomorrow night, barring you know some sort of setback here. But two days of practice, he looked fine, so yeah, he'll be back. There you go. Yeah, so he, you know, we did, I don't know if we were clear, but he yeah, he broke his wrist when his stick got right. cut in the hole skating by the timekeeper in yeah. Seattle. Yeah, and I remember watching it because he was he's like it was funny yesterday because he's like yeah like. Uh, I didn't know it was really seriously injured. And, like, literally, he was like, I, I mean, fans might remember, but he was, like, going off. The, he was, like, hunched over, holding his wrist. Like, you know, you knew it was bad 
almost right away because just the way that he was, you know, heading off the ice. But he said yesterday that um, because of all the adrenaline, he's like, oh, I didn't think there was any problem with it at all. And then he tried to lift a stick and he couldn't lift a stick with it because he had broken basically his whole wrist. Like it just basically shattered. And, and, and yeah, that's obviously why he had to have, you know, surgery to kind of repair it and, and, and needed three months off to kind of deal with it. It's a little different than, when Morgan Barron uh, had his own wrist injury at roughly around the same time, but uh, you know didn't require the same amount of um, time. But I, I don't think his wrist injury was near, obviously not nearly as uh, severe as the one that happened in Seattle with Mason. Yeah, Mason Appleton's back. Two guys not back on the ice, uh, Dylan DeMello and David Gustafson. Yeah. Any timeline uh, on those yeah. guys? And, and will one of them be put on IR to activate Appleton? Do we know what the move is going to be? Yeah, we haven't heard yet, but I, I assume so. I don't think anybody went on waivers today for the Jets. So um, uh, Dylan DeMello likely goes on IR retroactive to way back. Um, I don't know when. Uh, I can't remember what day that was, but um, he didn't play in the last two games, I think. Yeah, he missed going a couple into there. The, into, the, into the break. Um, so, yeah, I, I assume he just goes on IR retroactive to then, um, and he can come back at any point. Rick Bonus didn't have a timeline today but did say that um, D- Dylan DeMello is the guy that will be um, at least is slated to come back before David Gustafson. Um, so, you know, take that as uh, what you will. We've heard that before uh, with some guys who have turned into being out a lot longer than, you know, the guy that was said to be, um, you know, a longer time before the other the guy that was supposed to be shorter. Um, so we'll see. Um but uh, it doesn't look like it. it's just, I mean, I, I believe both of those guys skated again, kind of in the IR skates as they're called today. Um, uh, but yeah, I, there's no timetable in terms of games. Uh, bonus said today, you know, potentially Tuesday for DeMello, but I mean, no, again, no real guarantees or promises on that one. You, know, you mentioned uh, so much the Jets schedule leading into this break. I mean, December uh, 16 and 31. Yeah, and twenty eight uh, really. If you you know take out the Christmas break, right? Like, yeah. I mean, they and had then, those days off, but yeah. And then what? January again, fifteen and twenty. I mean, they're playing more than once every second day. Yeah. Pretty obscene. You get a sense these guys are, you know, refreshed and appreciative of this break. You know, getting getting away. It seemed like a lot of guys were able to uh, get out of town, as we uh, all saw on their Instagram. For those of us who who do follow various Winnipeg Jets on the gram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do it for work, work purposes. we got to yeah, know what, so, what they're so up to. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, it was definitely uh, – I, I, it seemed like there was just like a sigh of relief, like when they beat St. Louis and then went into the break, right? Like, first of all, they don't have to go into a break on a four-game losing streak. And secondly, you know, the break is here, right? They, they played a lot of the games – and it wasn't so much that they played that many games maybe in that time, but it was, there was, there was so much travel. Like, I mean, if you think about right before the, the two games back at home, before the break, they had, they had played those five games on the road um, and then a season long road trip there. And, you know, they have a big road trip coming up next week in New York, but it's different, right? Because you go to Columbus and then on uh, for the game on the Thursday and then on Friday you fly, well, they'll fly to New York on, on, on right after the game on Thursday night. And then you're in, like, we'll be in, I'm on that road trip, and you're in New York for six nights. So you're in the same hotel the whole time. Um, you know, basically, you can kind of make a, you know, a makeshift home basically there. You're not in and out of it. So 
it's an easier kind of travel. But when you're going from Ottawa to Montreal to Toronto to to Philly and Nashville and all all that kind of stuff, it, it, it's it, it and and just at the end of the break, where you could, or at the end of you know um, you know that 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 condensed schedule, and you can see the finish line. And Brendan Dillon kind of said it's just the today. He said you know it's kind of just human nature. To, like I mean, any of us who see holidays coming. Um, you know, if it's Friday afternoon or even Thursday, um, you're already starting to mail it in. Um, and maybe, maybe not everybody else, but some of us do. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's human nature to, to kind of, um, you know, be looking ahead and, and waiting for that break and wanting that break. And, um, you know, they never used to have this kind of player break in, in between, but the all-star, uh, weekend would break up some of it. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, you look at to to a man in that room. I, I think they all look kind of, they, they don't look so dreary um, and fatigued uh, as they did, um, you know, coming uh, into the lead and into the break, and they look a lot more refreshed and energetic. Let's say um, practices are louder um, now. There's a little more smiling and laughter, um, and yeah, I mean, they played a lot of games. Uh, Fifty two, right? Fifty two in between you know the start of the season then and, and the last two months were really condensed and they were also playing you know a large part of that um with a kind of a let's say a shorthanded roster at times uh with all the injuries so um yeah they're you know i think they're uh, they, they, they seem in a good spot we'll see what happens tomorrow night um you know chicago is gonna have played three games uh including they play tonight uh, at home uh, i think it's to arizona and then they fly here uh, tonight and they'll play tomorrow night. So, um, you know, one of the things is Chicago won't have the rust, um, but they're also going to have, you know, the fact that they've played three games and I think five nights here and, and coming in on the back-to-back. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I think the most important thing for the Jets tomorrow will be the first period. They're saying it themselves um, and, and trying to come out and, and maybe weather the, the or, or shake off the rust as quickly as they can. Uh, and then kind of put the boots to a you know a pretty bad Chicago team. I do wonder, you know, we've heard this a lot that a rest team that's been on the break going up against a team that's kind of gotten back into the swing of things. Usually, the rested team doesn't do so hot. So we'll wait and see. Right. But this is Chicago; uh, yeah. they're on a tough schedule. So yeah, got to beat Chicago. Yeah. All right. Well, um, anyway, sorry, I'm trying to respond to people in chat, but I'm also. Doing a show, yeah. You're doing double duty here, eh? Like your host I'm, and uh, chat. I'm doing everything, doing chat everything. Board. It's yeah, stressing yeah. out over here. You can't see this <laughs> the back sweat going on. Nobody um, wants to hear about your back sweat, Remo. That's that's also we want to hear about the Jets and the, and the trade deadline. You know, we had this question yesterday. The chat was really split. You're sure. Kevin Chevel day off. What is your number one priority? Are you looking to add uh, what a top six forward? Or a are you looking for to add a, you know a, deal, a defenseman like a two three defenseman to slot in behind Morrissey? Where do you land on that uh, discussion? I mean, I think ideally you're looking to add three pieces. You're looking at the top six forward, a middle six guy like a you know let's say a, maybe a James Van Riemsdyk or or maybe a depth guy Nola Chari or you know somebody like that. Or maybe you're looking at a Ryan O'Reilly. Um, Jonathan Taze, I know that name's obviously been kicked around uh, quite a bit as well, but uh, his illness right now and lack of playing time lately and all that, I'm not, not entirely sure what's going on with uh, Mr. Taves. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, for me, it, it's, it's top six uh, forward with like, you know, a bit of, 
uh, let's say, feistiness to them. Uh, and then, yeah, I think they want kind of a bottom pairing, uh, you know, proven playoff defenseman, let's say. Um, and, uh, you know, somebody that, 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 that can bring the physicality um, that they need because I, I still don't think that they're getting it from um, Logan Stanley or, or Dylan DeMello. I mean, yeah, you can look back to that, that Nashville game and he obviously had that big hit on, uh, I, I believe it was it Cody Glass. I can't remember. I think it was Cody Glass. Um, but no, it wasn't Cody Glass. No, yeah, maybe it was. Anyways, I'm bumbling that here. But um, I, I think it's, you know, this has been few and far between from from them. And, and so I'd be interested to see. But I, I do think they need, uh, you know, kind of maybe a top six guy um, to get maybe Blake Wheeler down onto the third line. And then, uh, I mean, I honestly think they probably need, like, you know, maybe a depth centerman. Uh, somebody, you know, here's the one thing about Rick Bonus. He wants somebody that's going to win faceoffs. And he was pretty upset about the, the, the fact that, you know, faceoffs weren't getting won. And so if you listen to the head coach, I and mean, people might disagree with this, but if the head coach wants something, um, you know, that's what they'll be looking to get. And so it might be, you know, a, a guy that, that, that can, you know, win them some faceoffs. I, you know, I think with a guy like maybe Ryan O'Reilly, they could, you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone there as essentially like, you know, a top six, maybe a middle six guy. Um, but you've also heard, you know, names, you know, uh, I know it's been uh, James Van Riemsdyk's been thrown around. I like the idea of James Van Riemsdyk because he brings size and, and skill to it. Uh, he is a left winger, um, but he does bring a lot to, you know, kind of the middle six there. Um, and especially if you don't think maybe, you know, Mason Appleton and Morgan Barron aren't the guys on that, on that wing to, to, to do that. Um, you know, potentially he is there, but, um, you know, I think the Flyers would have to eat, uh, you know, he's, he's, I think he's making 7 million JVR. So, um, you know, they'd have to eat half that salary. Uh, you know, the Jets are going to have 9 million to work with. And, and that's quite a, you know, it's a fair chunk of money. Uh, you know, are they going to get Timo Meyer? Is that is that you know a realistic thing that's going to happen? I, I think it's you know it, it looks it appears to be a priority. I, you know, I don't think you see Sev, uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff um, in Tampa Bay um, just you know there to to have fun and watch a hockey game. I think he was there to figure out um, you, know, you know what the deal is with Timo Meyer, what what's going to cost them. Um, you know, it's going to cost them a lot. Uh, but you know, is he the guy? Can they get him re-signed? Do they want him long term? Um, you know, could they get an Ivan Barbashev? Uh, th- there's lots of guys, right? Th- 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 there's players out there that they, they can go after. It- it's what they to see, decide they need. But if I'm looking at this team, you know, I think it's a top six guy. I think they would like a you know, kind of a, a bottom pairing or a bottom you know line uh, uh, player. Um, I-, I really like Nolachari for, for something like that. He'd be a guy that um, you know he, th- that could be in in that mix. I've heard Max Domi's name thrown around. Um, he might be able to fix that, and then, you know, what's going to happen on defense? Uh, I, I sort of, I, you know, I've liked the idea of, um, you know, maybe a Shane Goss to spare, you know, a guy like that. Um, uh, Luke Shen, even though he got, I, I believe he he got injured, or maybe he he wasn't injured. Um, not like I don't know what the deal is with him there, um, but yeah, I think they need to. Like, I think on both sides of the puck. They need to kind of improve, right? I think they need to solidify their defense, maybe get a veteran guy with a little bit of, you know, uh, physicality in them, and then up front, you know, another feisty kind of forward and and potentially, yeah, top six guy. So um, it, it's an interesting season for the Jets. And, you know, this door swung open 
was it five years ago now in 2018? Uh, and and they you know they took a bit of a swing getting Paul Stasny, um, but I think this time it's and and it worked out. I mean Paul Stasny was a great pickup for the Jets and and really helped them especially against Nashville. Um, but you know I think this time with the West being as wide open as it seems to be, nobody really kind of taking the torch and running with it. I mean I think it's wide open and 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 the Jets um, can compete with all the teams in the West. And so now it's about, you know, what, what will put this team over the top? Um, and, you know, they want consistency. Uh, they want, you know, guys that have shown it. And, and there's, so there's guys out there, though, whether it's Myers or Ryan O'Reilly's a, a Conn Smythe winner. Um, Jonathan Taves, you know, obviously a three-time Stanley Cup winner. Um, he's won everything that you can in this game. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it, it's those th- – there's a lot of decisions to be made. Um, and, and I'm really interested to see – because we, we've seen Kevin Shoveldeff, uh, you know, use of his draft capital in the past with first-round picks and all that. He hasn't always dipped into the the prospect capital and the, and the depth capital in in their team to kind of make trades. And and if you want to swing for the fences here, it's going to be you know you're talking about names like Chaz Lucius and and maybe even Rutger McGrady and 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 Brad Lambert and goes and. You know, I imagine I can't see the chat right now, but I, I imagine there's people in the chat that don't want to see those names go. Um, but at, at some point, you know, the rubber hits the road here. And and, and if you want to get better, um, and, and some will argue that, you know, this team doesn't need to do anything and, and, and they can be, they can go from what they have now and try and make a run. I mean, you don't see that very often. Um, I think this team is willing to spend and, and, you know, having a conversation with uh, Kevin Chevalier in Buffalo last month uh, when he kind of talked to a couple of us in the media that were on the trip, um, it looks like, and, you know, just judging by, you know, his answers and what he was saying, it looks like this is, you know, they will, they will take a run if they can. And I don't think it's a small one. I think in this league this year, um, you can add some big pieces um, and, and take a real run at this. And I think that a lot of it's wide open, at least in the West, to get yourself to the you know, to the Stanley Cup final and then, and then see what happens. So yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly an interesting time. Um, but yeah, for me, it's a, it's a top six guy, a cheaper kind of bottom pairing or bottom six guy um, that, that, that probably can win some face-offs and like maybe a bit of a veteran presence and then maybe a six kind of defenseman that they can, um, yeah, they can roll with into the playoffs where it's not a, you know, a question of are you rotating Dylan Sandberg and Logan Stanley into the lineup or whatever, but you have those two guys kind of maybe, you know, they're the seventh and eighth guys, and you have a guy that's, you know, a bit of proven experience and, and a little bit of grit to his game, let's say. Yeah, we're looking at the standings there. I mean, it's all the Jets are what, second in the central. It's pretty tight in there. Dallas, couple points up. Colorado, yeah. uh, they're chasing seven, two, and one in the last 10, although Minnesota's on a three game losing streak. It seems like the Jets are, with the right ad, um, could you know yeah. definitely have a better shot at uh, winning the central. And at a certain point, I agree. Has I mean, agree, yeah, Scott. That's my that's uh, first hus of the show. Fifty yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's my first hus of the show. I do it to libel all the time. Call him hus. <laughs> but um, like you've been accumulating all these draft picks and all these prospects. At a certain time, you're like, hey, this team is ready to go. Uh, yeah. I I know who are you? Okay, giving up? You're gonna give up a first and a prospect acquire one of these guys or how many draft picks do you think we're we're looking at here because but they only got one, yeah. one first rounder as of now but you know, maybe this offseason if you do trade 
Pierre-Luc Dubois, you could get another. Or let's say you acquire Timo Meyer and you know, he's not going to resign. Maybe you do. Um, maybe yeah. you do. And, you know, just go in and deal him again to someone. So I think even if you do make a trade, there's you know more trades down the road. But I mean, which you know, who do you think the Jets are okay giving up here in some of these trades? I think everybody's on the board except maybe Rutger McGordy. I think they're high on McGordy, and I think he would be the uh, that would be the you know pry from my cold dead hands type of player. Um, at the same time. It, you know, I'm of the opinion that Kevin Sheveldayoff is not around to see any of these players um, develop and, and do all that stuff if he doesn't um, find some success here. I mean, we're 12 years into this, right? And um, the Jets have gone to the Western Final once, uh, and that's as far as they've gone, and they, they lost in five games. So you're looking at success here, playoff wins, series wins, all that stuff over a 12-year period. And they've gone to the playoffs three times. Well, I guess four, technically. Um, so, yeah, that's not... Uh, yeah, I, In this league, it's rare that a GM sticks around for that long uh, when the success isn't there. Um, and, you know, outside of David Poyle and in Nashville and, you know, some other guys that have had long tenures. I mean, it's... I, I think at some point, you, you know, you either have to... Um, uh, do your number two or get off the pot, right? And uh, the the Jets, you know, I, I think they've, I, I think, you know, when Kevin Chevrolet spoke to us in Buffalo, he, he talked about a little bit about kind of what you learn, you know, going to the Western Final and how difficult it is to kind of get back to that spot. I mean, if you think of Nashville, they went to the Cup Final um, the year before the Jets beat them in the second round and then they've never been back, right? Never really even sniffed it again. Um, so, I think there's been some some uh, uh, some lessons learned there where, you know, if you get yourself back into position to do that, what would you do differently? And and part of that, I think, is maybe taking a bigger swing instead of, you know, finding Paul Stasny out of out of nowhere like they did. Um, you know, a very shrewd trade by, by Kevin Sheldayoff to get him out of St. Louis. But, um, you know, I think you have to be in knowing where your team is at, knowing the position they're in, uh, the opportunity that's there, I think, you know, you have to be willing to spend and, and mortgage a little bit of that future um, to, to get, you know, get to where you want to be again and, and, and take that shot that, you know, after it happened in, in, in 2018 there, they never sniffed that again. I mean, obviously, you, can, you know, the 2018-19 season was really good up until Christmas and then it just nosedived after that. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Kevin Hayes doesn't put into the net and they lose in six games, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's the reality though of this. And then it's just been downhill from there up until this season where it, it, it's, it's turned around again. Um, so I think you have to take your shot and, and whatever that costs, what, at whatever it costs to do that, you do it. Because if you're Kevin Sheldeff, you can't sit there and be like, oh, okay, well, I'll have these guys down the road and, we'll, you know, in three years we'll be, uh, you know, we'll have all these guys again. No, like in three years, you might not have Mark Scheifele, Connor Hellebuck, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, all these guys, right? Like, what, if, if not now, when, right? That's my biggest question to to, to anybody that, that, that argues, well, you know, we, we can't be trading, you know, our future, mortgaging our future for, for, for success now. And it's like, okay, well, then when? Like, at what point? Like, are you just going to keep drafting and developing and, and all that? Like, at what point does, you know, you, you catch lightning in a bottle again? Um, like you did in 2017, 18, and, and it all just comes together and all that stuff. At some point, you got to go out and, and make your team better, not just hope it gets better. 
Um, and I think, you know, that opportunity is now. They have the draft capital, the prospect capital, all that stuff to go and do this. And the cap space right now. They have salary cap capital right now. They have $9 million. They'll have $9 million to work with um, at, at the trade deadline. And, and so they, they can go and get them. You can work other deals. There's lots of things that they can do right now. And I think they have to go ahead and, and, and do it. I mean, so if that's going to cost you Brad Lambert or Chaz Lucius or Billy Hanela or whatever, I mean, so, I mean, I, 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 again, I know there's people that disagree on this, but at what point are you just going to sit there and stop maybe twiddling your thumbs and actually go out and, and, and get it done? And I think that's, I think that's where the Jets are at right now. They got to, they got to find a way to make this team better and take a real charge at it. And, you know, if Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't going to sign here long-term, the summer is where you get some of that back, right? You trade him this summer, you get a lot of that back. I mean, if, if you get Timo Meyer and you can't, you can also get some of it back too. I don't think you get everything back because, you know, I, I've heard that, well, you, you can have the self-rental and then flip him in the summer and return. But it's different then because if you're not going to sign him, you're basically trading him for his negotiation rights because you're probably not giving them $10 million as his qualifying offer. Maybe you go to arbitration. It, whatever you can there's all sorts of things that you can do to avoid that but um you know i don't know if you ever get back what you put in to get timo meyer if you can't sign them long term so but there are ways to kind of recoup it and i think that would go through pierre dubois um if he's not going to stay here and i think you know i think at this point they probably know or have a good idea of what um where he's leaning and what's going to happen there so there's opportunities to recoup your losses um, at some point too, are you, is it going to be Brad Lambert and, and those guys back if you trade them? No. Um, but, um, again, that's the cost of doing business, uh, in this NHL at these trade deadlines, a lot is spent, um, to try and improve teams. Only one team wins in the end. Um, but it's always about improving your chances, improving your team and trying to be that one team. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's going to be a better time than now, for the Jets to do it, given kind of just their lot in life and, and where they are, um, what the Western Conference looks like and, and all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, to me, it's everything's on the table um, in terms of who you would trade and and, 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 and and go from there. Everything's on the table. They are saving up all this cap room and you're almost like, what are they saving all this for? What's up, uh, Chevy Sleeve? And, you know, we talk about all these names on the list here, but traditionally, like, I know we, we've, kind of pumping Timo Myers tires always saying the Jets should do it. You know, Chevy's been at, was at the game before, you know, they've been linked, but you know, usually the Jets don't get that top guy. Available. That's just how it's going. They get someone, you know, they True. got uh, yeah. Paul Stasny. Uh, they got Kevin, you know, Kevin Hayes and I'm a big Kevin Hayes truther. I think it was, was the right <laughs> move. Even if uh, they kind of hey, shoved wasn't them. deployed properly. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think the I agree with you, and I think he had his best game as a Jet in Game Five. Uh, we all remember Game Five, which I like to bring up yeah. all the time. But I do wonder if there's someone who we haven't even mentioned who comes up. You know, you did mention Billy Hanel, and this has been a storyline all season. You know, going in the summer, just now. Yeah, are they finally going to empty this logjam at defense? And is Billy Hanel a Jet after the deadline? What are the what are the percent chances that he's a Jet after the deadline? Uh, slim, slim. You think? Yeah, slim. you think less. Yeah, you think greater than fifty. He's not a jet. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I, I think, I think teams are going to want a guy like Philly Hanela, right? Like a promising young puck moving defenseman. 
And so if, if that's what they want, um, and, and I think if the Jets wanted Billy Hanala to play, he'd be playing already, right? But they don't have room for, as, a, as a way the roster is constructed. And if you listen to Rick Bonus, it doesn't matter how good he is or good he isn't or, or any of that. If the head coach isn't going to play him, um, then what, right? I, I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's the reality of the situation is that two head coaches now have decided they don't want to play him um, in the lineup as a regular right now. And, you know, we can make all the excuses and, and say all the things that we want. Oh, it's the bad roster call. And I agree with some of that and, and most of it. But at some point, you know, if you're not going to play him, then use him for something and, and to get somebody who you are going to play. Um, and, 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 again, I think this all comes down to the fact that you have all the space. You have, you have some great assets in the organization that I think you're willing to part with. Um, uh, you have draft picks, and especially this year, a lot of teams are going to want these first-round picks. I, when, if not when, I, I just keep coming back to the same thing. If not, if not now, when, and and if Billy Hanel is on the table, um, yeah, I, I honestly think, yeah, I think there's more than a fifty percent chance that he won't be um, with the Jets at you know after the trade deadline, um, because I think a team like San Jose, if you're if you're going to get Timo Meyer. Wants a young defenseman, right? They want a young defenseman that that has promise, that has a high ceiling, and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I yeah, I I, I think I, I don't like saying that Billy Hanel is like a sweetener in a deal because I think there's a lot of value to him, but I'm just not sure the organization views it the same way as maybe some of us do. Um, and yeah, so I I think there's more than a 50% chance that, that Billy Hanel is not here um, past March 3rd. All right. Well, we'll wait and see. The countdown is on March 3rd. Someone informed me that it's three weeks away. Is it? I don't even know what day. It is on a Friday. Three, yeah, it's three weeks today. Wow. That is. Yeah. A, we got to start planning our uh, mega show for the trade deadline. I know <laughs> Hustler and I will be live, I'm assuming, starting we'll be at down 11. There, yeah. 11. I'm sure there'll be deal, deals trickling in as we had one. Yesterday, oh, yeah. Scott. Great having you on the show. Uh, great chatting. Enjoy the 9 p.m. start tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, see everyone we'll in do. chat excited. Um, we'll do this again. Thank you so much, Scott. Drunk, drunkest game of the year, do you think? Drunkest yeah. game of the year? Drunkest, like yes, by drunkest. far. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. maybe in, in years, I would, I in, would in, think. In, in, in 2.0 history. Drunkest <laughs> game in 2.0 history. Regular, regular think, season. Well, and we were talking about this, I'm sorry to go long here, but like I think the only other two 9 p.m. games that were played in Winnipeg happened during the pandemic years where there was no fans. Yes. So like I don't think they ever had a chance to actually, you know, have a full crowd and and yeah, have the has the booze flowing and you know, basically being like a you know, an eighteen plus game, because I don't think a lot of parents are taking their five and six year olds to a nine p.m. start and having them being all that. So yeah, it could be uh yeah, it could be like an. I don't. Know, we were joking about having like an after-hour show or like a eighteen-plus game, right? Where it would just be like, just bananas, right? And yeah, I, I think I think tomorrow could be a unique environment. That's what I'll, I'll leave it there. So, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. that. It's also a South Asian heritage name right. as well. Yeah, so correct. big celebration yeah. uh, there, kind of life. Thanks again, Scott. Great yeah, having you on. Uh, yeah. I, I know I bring up uh, first of all. There's yeah. Thanks again. So there's Scott Billick, Winnipeg's son. Give him a follow on Twitter. Scott Billick. Man, we've got a lot of people in chat here uh, talking 
Jets, uh, thank you everyone for showing up. Uh, love to see pushing 400. If you are here, you've enjoyed the content, hit that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, turn on the notification bell. It does help us. Tells YouTube, hey, we've got some great content here. I'm more likely to show it to people who might be interested. We got, what, 8,700 subscribers trying to push it to 9K, grow to 10K eventually. So I appreciate all you guys coming out here, chatting, showing your support, and you can't get enough. We're on all the social media, Sports Talk WPG links in the description of the video. Um, it's funny, you mentioned 9 p.m. starts. I think that game five against St. Louis, the home game, well, I think that was an 8 p.m. start. Uh, they do like the 8 p.m. starts in the playoffs for us in that central division. You're not quite in the Pacific, not quite in the East. Anyways, we're going to talk Super Bowl. There's a big game this weekend, and no one I'd rather talk about it with than Lee Haxa Hamilton. He's uh, coming up. He's got his NFL notebook. But first, uh, Hustler's got a couple notes, and then... Uh, we'll get to Lee. So here we go. Give a big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto for their great support, not only of Winnipeg Sports Talk, but the Bombers, the Gold Eyes, as well as some of our top Manitoban curling teams, as well as Jen, including Jen Jones, who I'm just looking at uh, Bridget and Phyllis giving us updates in the chat and a bit of a nail biter right now at the Scotties right now tied at six. Of course, Princess Auto also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road or Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Um, our friends at Culligan Water have been the go-to service for all things water for over 65 years here in Winnipeg as a family-owned business with everything that you need for your family business when it comes to water, softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop by and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a call at 204-694-5180. And you can find out everything that they've got going on at drinkculligan.com as well online. And hey, the weekend is here. If you uh, plan to tilt one or two and you're maybe making a cocktail, if you're a whiskey drinker, you know the best is uh, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. Right now, still a couple days left in January. Great discount on CC 12-year reserve right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And keep your eye out for the new Rifle Rye also from the Beam Suntory family, on for a great introductory sale price at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, Canadian Club, the official spirit of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and we'll look forward to getting those CC and Gingers going again in the summer at IG Field this summer. There he is. There's Hustler with doing a great job, and he's out of town in Vegas. You're stuck with me here uh, running the show. So I uh, appreciate everyone who's tuned in. There is a big game this week. I know Hacksaw thinks it's going to be a great one. The Chiefs and the Eagles, two great teams. Let's bring them in. Lee, how's it going? Thank you for uh, for joining me here on a Friday. Yeah, Mikey, can't wait. Super Bowl Sunday. You ready for some football? Man, we're matching up. The two best teams in the NFL. We got two of the bright light coaches. We got two of the dynamic quarterbacks. We get unbelievable offenses. And 
By the way, these dudes do play tough defense. So I just think this is going to be a fascinating game on Sunday afternoon. One thing for me, um, before we get into the matchups, or I guess the Eagles, they play in the NFC, and they were never really tested all year. I mean, every game, it seemed like by the second half, they were just resting their starters. Um, you think, do you think that's going to affect them in any way at all? I don't know. I just feel like pointing that out. It's just such a bizarre... I mean, they had this NFC championship where the quarter, both quarterbacks get hurt. It seems like they've just ran over everyone on their way to the Super Bowl. But that's because they're a complete football team. I mean, they are dynamic on offense, Michael, and they are fierce on defense, and they just beat the daylights out of people, and they just overwhelm you. Uh, and, you know, the, their offense is really diverse. That kid quarterback has made giant strides in about a year and a half. They have a no-fear head coach, uh, and they have built this thing on the defensive side. I mean, I think one of the unsung heroes is their general manager, and what they've done is they have stockpiled players. They've gone into the free agent market. They've drafted really well. They were bold in terms of making a trade. You know, they check off all the boxes about being complete. Now, that being said, so does Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City has done it strictly by virtue of their offense. I don't think the Chiefs' defense is, is anywhere near what Philadelphia has grown into. But Kansas City, I think, is just willing to outscore you. And, you know, what? As, as we talked to Hustler during the course of uh, every Friday on our notebook segments, you know, one of the burning questions back in September was what would life be like after Tyree Kill in Kansas City? And boy, what you're seeing them do to stockpile the roster to give it some different dimensions since Tyree Kill could not remain because of the monster salary cap issue. Boy, they've done a great, great job. And this is not a one-time thing. I mean, Patrick Mahomes been in the AFC Championship game five years in a row and that coach, I mean, historically, you watch him, we're looking at a Hall of Fame coach. So I think these are two really complete football teams. You mentioned the coaches, Andy Reid, you know, went to all those NFC championships and won Super Bowl with the Eagles. Um, now he's what, gone five NFC championships with Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then the Eagles have Nick Sirianni as head coach. Now, wasn't their head coach before when they won this role? That was Doug Peterson. But what do you make of this? head coaching matchup, and why are these two guys so different? These guys are polar opposites on the spectrum of coaches. I mean, Andy Reid is just a dynamic, creative juice guy. What he has created and built around Patrick Mahomes is absolutely stunning. And then they go into the marketplace and they keep getting guys that are perfect fits for what they're running. He's, he is quiet. He's an icon. Uh, he is strong as a leader inside the room, but not outside in terms of dealing with the media. He's just a very generic personality in terms of the jobs that we have to do. But boy, if you look at the X's and O's and what he's been able to do there, it's been really, really impressive. Sirianni is cut from a different cloth. He's young. He's dynamic. He's brash. He could be a little belligerent. He's loud. Uh, no fear whatsoever. Uh, you know, you look at Andy Reid's career record, it's it's 268 and 154. That's that's Hall of Fame credentials. Nick Sirianni had a lousy start in Philadelphia. He was two and five in November of his first year. And since then, he's 23 and seven. And whereas Andy Reid inherited a great quarterback who I think was ready made to play in the league and surprised a lot of people with all the things he could do in Patrick Mahomes. I think Nick Sirianni's fingerprints are all over the growth 
of Jalen Hurts. I mean, Hurts had a great reputation as a running quarterback in college who could make throws, but they just overwhelmed people at Oklahoma because they had so much talent. Well, he's become an accomplished thrower in the NFL, and the running game, he had 790 yards rushing this year, Michael. The running game is an integral part of what they do. And as much as he touches the ball, as many hits as he takes, he's still on the field. So, And he's, he's just a, the equal, I think, to Patrick Mahomes. And he's come at a much faster pace. He's, he's done all this. This development of Jalen Hurts has happened in just the last year and a half. But these are two really interesting, really different head coaches. You know, one story from uh, the NFC or the sorry, AFC Championship weekend was the Chiefs' situation at receiver. I mean, uh, Juju goes down. Tony hasn't been able to stay on the field. Uh, what's the st- you know they're going with MVS getting all the yards. Sky Moore. Oh yeah, Hardman's been banged up. Uh, what's what's the uh, e- sorry the Chiefs' receiver situation? And I mean, you got to give the Eagles the advantage at receiver with uh, with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, who they acquired in the offseason. Well, two weeks ago, they were asking for volunteers in the fourth quarter of the AFC Championship game because they were so busted up. Now they've gotten most of those guys back. The one guy that won't play is is Mecole Hardman, who has retweaked the hamstring, and he's on injured reserve. But, you know, the, Travis Kelsey is the one that makes every everybody else so dangerous because you have to account for Kelsey, and sometimes you have to double-team him. And because of that, then you get isolated single coverage on the outside with Juju Schuster-Smith. And when they were looking to, to find a receiver uh, to replace Tyree Kill, A, they wanted speed, but they wanted size. And I think they studied a lot of the video in Pittsburgh, and they said, this guy can run routes. He's big. He's physical. He can catch the ball, take hits. And by the way, he crunches people when he blocks for Kelsey or blocks for running backs. You watch number nine in some plays and the blocks that he lays on guys. So they went out and really got a physical force wide receiver, which he had never really had in terms of size. And then they went out and they got Marquez Scantling from Green Bay. And it took him a while to learn to play at this level. He's always had gifted speed and size, but there was there were bad hands. There was, you know, undisciplined routes. He's grown into becoming a really good wide receiver on the other side of Juju Schuster-Smith. And they got another tight end they throw to occasionally when they go double tight end. So they've got a lot of different components. And if that's not enough, they dump it out in the flat to those running backs. And, you know, Pacheco catches passes. McKinnon has come out of nowhere. He had major injuries. He, you know, he'd been in Minnesota for a while, come out of nowhere and stayed healthy. Holy cow, he's making things happen out of the backfield. Uh, And now they get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back uh, just off IR. I don't know how much he'll play in this game. So, you know, when Mahomes goes down the checklist, do I go to A, B, C, D, E, F, G? You can go to any of them, and they all contribute to what they're doing. So that's a dynamic wide receiver core in Philadelphia. Devontae Adams and A.J. Brown combined 200 receptions this season. And they've gone more and more to Dallas Godert, uh, the tight end. That's not Travis Kelsey numbers. He got 65 catches this season. And the one thing that's different about Philadelphia is they'll line you up, and they will knock you off the line of scrimmage like bowling pins. And here comes Miles Sanders, the running back, and they're three deep at running back, and you got Jalen Hurts' threat to run. So you tell me which page you're taking out of the playbook because you had to defend all this stuff. It, I just think it's an enormous challenge for defenses when those quarterbacks come to the line of scrimmage and say, A through F, stop me. Yeah, there's so many uh, so many weapons, the Eagles. I mean, the way they've utilized all their running backs plus Hurts, 
um, the number receivers. How are the defenses going to stop these guys? What are the strengths of uh, both of their defenses? Because you also look at uh, Patrick Mahomes. It seems like he's the way that he's playing. If his ankle is 100% healthy, uh, he's tough to contain. Yeah, he really is. Philadelphia's got the better defense. Philadelphia's got more warriors. They are a physical force defense. Fletcher Cox has been there forever at defensive tackle. You know, and then they went out and they got uh, Javon Hardman, young guy. So he compliments Fletcher Cox's big bodies inside. And they got Jordan Davis, the, the number one pick out of Alabama, who fell to them in the draft. And he's turned out to be pretty good when he's been healthy. He's been dinged up. Hassan Riddick is an unbelievable linebacker. How Arizona ever let him get away, maybe that's why the Arizona Cardinals aren't very good and why Philadelphia is really great. Riddick is a fierce pass rusher, and he's a physical force run stopper on top of that. And then they, they went out in the offseason, and they rebuilt their secondary. You look at the guys on the back end, most of them came from somewhere else, led by Darius Slay and C.J. Johnson. Uh, and and uh, James Bradbury was on a street corner unemployed. New York's Giants didn't want him. They brought him here. He's had a mystical season, maybe a career season. So Philadelphia, from front to back, is just rugged and fast, and they play with such fury. Kansas City's got Chris Jones, and they got Frankie Clark, uh, and they got Kalaftis, the kid out of Purdue, the number one pick. But they're back seven. I don't think Kansas City's back seven is equal to anything that Philadelphia has. So I'd I think I think the Philadelphia defensive front is going to cause real problems for Kansas City's offensive line, and Philadelphia's offensive line gets no credit at all. But they are big and they are tough, and they are like traffic pylons built in cement that you can't move, and they protect Jalen Hurts very well. So, I think this is going to be a line of scrimmage uh, Super Bowl game, and the one that protects their quarterback best is going to have that quarterback make a bunch more plays than the other guy, and. At the end of the day, I think Philadelphia is going to cause havoc and going to slow Mahomes down. And I don't know how Kansas City holds up to everything that Jalen Hurts brings to the line of scrimmage when he goes through his pre-snap reads. I think the matchups is just going to be spectacular to see. You know, you look at uh, how these teams were built. It seems to me like Howie Roseman is just on another level in terms of uh, GMing compared to the rest of the league. But uh, KC has done a, you know, a great job maintaining their team throughout this run. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that Roseman is is a difference maker because of what they did. I mean, they went out and got Hassan Reddick on a one-year free agent contract after Arizona did not offer him. One year. He's in for a big payday. That guy's a difference maker, a linebacker, because he does so many things. And then, as I alluded to, Roseman went out in the marketplace, and he wound up getting three DBs. And they're all playing integral parts of what's gone on there. He's had no fear, and he's not afraid to take gambles on guys. I will say this about Veach, like we alluded to, when they needed to find a way to replace Tyreek Hill, they did. And you look at their draft this past year and how many of those guys are playing. Nobody in the world knew who Isaiah Pacheco was. He was a college quarterback, and they made him a running back. And you look at him as a first-year rookie, like 900 yards rushing and receiving and just a physical force guy. And, and like I said, Veach went out and got McKinnon and – uh, they've done they've done just a really good job replacing key component guys. And Hilaire's been hurt. He was a high number one pick. He just has not been able to stay on the field since coming out of LSU. And what do they do? They go get Pacheco and they go get McKinnon. So these two GMs don't get any accolades at all, but I think they really should. Now moving on, it's the offseason, and we've got so many offseason storylines. I think the biggest one, uh, Sean Payton 
making his arrival in Denver and telling Russell Wilson that he can't have his personal coaches in the building. Is this going to work here? Bringing Sean Payton and Denver. They had to give up so many picks for him and uh, Wilson. Well, they traded away a lot of picks. They obviously traded all the number ones to Seattle to get Russell from uh, the Seahawks, and then they traded a one and a two, which is a, that's going to be a high draft pick uh, next year uh, to be able to get to Sean Payton out of his New Orleans contract. His press conference, his introductory press conference, was it was like a tent revival speech, Michael. It was, I mean, he said, I am the law. What I say goes. Nothing is negotiable. You know, and then he addressed Russell Wilson, and, and he, he spoke glowingly about Wilson. Uh, he made a comment yesterday down at the Super Bowl that he's going to hand out bars of soap to everybody in the organization because you all got dirt on your hands. You all went 5-12, and 12 and you're going to wash it away under my leadership. And he made a comment about uh, the triangle is really important to him. And you say, what's that mean? He said the triangle, ownership, which is really strong, the Walton family, the general manager, George Payton, who he seems to like, and then obviously at the base of the triangle is Sean Payton and his track record and success story with the quarterback play, offenses, what he did in the Super Bowl, etc. And he did tell Russell Wilson, uh, and, and it's really interesting, uh, this is our building and this is our staff, and your physical trainer will not be allowed in our building, and your quarterback consultant will not be allowed in team meetings or in our building, our building, our staff. So Russell Wilson had to step back and digest that and said, okay, that's the way it's going to be. But you only need to look at the guy's track record and, and what he did to rescue Drew Brees' career and what he did to develop the turnover-prone Jameis Winston the first year he had him after Jameis was knocked out of Tampa Bay. So I, I just think the landscape in the AFC West where I reside, Kansas City, uh, the Chargers, the Raiders, and now Denver, the landscape AFC West has drastically changed because of this guy. It's going to be fun going forward. And he's going to get all his guys back healthy. That's the other thing nobody's talking about. He's going to get his, his star stud running back, Javante Williams, back off knee surgery, his left tackle, Grant Bowles. He's got the three young wide receivers, all speed guys, Jerry Judy and all those guys. Got to keep him healthy. And he inherits a defense that was ranked near the top virtually the entire season until about week 17 when injuries kind of overwhelmed him. So he's walking in the door with a lot of components to say, we can win right now, and I, I bet they do. Yeah, one other team that's looking to bounce back, another AFC West team, actually, the Raiders. Uh, what are they, what's going to happen with them and quarterback? Well, the Raiders, I, I'm not sure that Jared Stidham's the guy. He had one start after they decided to sit Derek Carr, and he threw for 365. And then the final week of the season, he didn't play very well. So I'm not sure anybody knows where Josh McDaniels is. At quarterback, they do have to re-sign Josh Jacobs, but I think they'll franchise tag him if they can't sign him. They do have an awful lot of components, but their problem is is offensive line has been an issue. Defense, they just keep trying to plug the young guys in, and young guys make mistakes. It's not a complete defense. The Derek Carr story is the, is to me is the most intriguing thing, and I put this all at the front door of of uh, Mark Davis, the owner. Why he ever gave Derek Carr a forty million dollar a year contract that kicks in next week? shocks me and then they decide to get rid of him but now they now they got a problem because his agent went to them after christmas and said you're going to move this quarterback we want permission to go talk to some teams that he might have interest in playing for and mark davis said no well then Derek carr about 10 days ago michael uh told the the, the raiders through his agent you're not gonna let me talk to anybody 
I'm going to invoke no trade clause in my contract. I'll block you from dealing me anywhere, and you'll lose me as a free agent with no compensation. Well, suddenly, early this week, they lifted the embargo, and they allowed him to talk. And he spent two days in New Orleans with the Saints, who need a quarterback, got a lot of wide receivers, got Alvin Kamara, got a really good offensive line. Does he want to play for uh, his former head coach, who used to be uh, in, in Las Vegas? Uh, that remains to be seen. The other thing is the Saints have got really bad cap problems. And can, does somebody take on $40 million? Or is Derek Carr willing to give back a chunk of that $40 million to go someplace he wants to play? New Orleans is the only one he's visited. That does not mean he, maybe he's not doing something Super Bowl week or the first of next week in Washington, because I kept hearing Ron Rivera, uh, Frank Reich in Atlanta, or I'm sorry, in Carolina, desperately needs a quarterback, and that owner is not afraid to write a check. So the, I think the Derek Carr domino is the first domino that falls because of this contract having to be restructured down. So the minute he gets traded, then that opens the door. You'll see Jimmy Garoppolo move. You're going to see other guys move around the NFL. And then, then obviously, we've got the NFL draft to talk about once March turns into April and the, the top two quarterbacks on the board there. But, yeah, the Raiders, the Raiders are in a lot of headlines for a lot of different reasons, and I – I don't understand why you would create this mess with Derek Carr after everything he tried to do for the franchise. His his career record's not great. It's 69 and 80, hardly any playoff wins. But he's been a victim of all the junk that's happened around him with coaching firings and John Gruden and bad drafts and Mark Davis and injuries in his offense. It's just been a disaster. So he'll get a new lease on life. He'll go somewhere and we'll probably find out in the next 10 days which place it's going to be. And we'll finish up with this league. Yesterday, the Hall of Fame class of 2023 was revealed at their NFL honors where Patrick Mahomes won MVP. I know Hustler, very happy about that. Um, here's the class. It seems like these guys were just playing. Rondé Barber, Darrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, DeMarcus Ware as players. We've got Don Boreal. I'm surprised he wasn't in already. Chuck Halley, Joe Klecko, and Ken Riley as a senior in the, in the Hall of Fame. What do you make of this year's Hall of Fame class? It was really different. You know, there's not, not a lot of sexy names there. Left tackles like Joe Thomas in Cleveland played 17 years in a row and never missed a game. They don't, you know, their name is not in neon lights. He was a hell of a player. And then DeMarcus Ware had a great career, and he played through a lot of back injuries along the way. And Zach Thomas was just a warrior with the Dallas Cowboys. But then again, those are not names that people – get excited about seeing but all you all you do is see him do things on game day and on the coaches obviously like him on tape and we're really pleased in san diego that don coriel got in uh, it was a long struggle you know don coriel was only 111 in 83 as a head coach in the nfl and was only three and six in postseason never got to a super bowl it was a big argument because he's not a super bowl coach well maybe that should keep him out but i think the more that people thought they realized what he did to the NFL. He changed the NFL. I, I think in history, the greatest coach general manager in the league was Paul Brown, Cincinnati, and prior to that, Cleveland Browns. Uh, some people say Vince Lombardi, Green Bay, but that was a much smaller window. But what Don Coriel did, he's the genius that walked in the door and said, we're going to recruit speed and we're going to recruit size tight ends and we're going to create mismatches and nobody in the league knew how to handle it and then he brought in the i formation then he went to the spread formation and then they found dan fouts who had no fear throwing the ball down the field whether it's a touchdown pass or a pick they put together about a four-year run 
where the San Diego Chargers were unstoppable, Air Coriel's era. And not only his impact with what he created, then, then NFL's teams, Michael, came to the league and said, listen, if you're allowing Don Coriel to make all these different substitutions snap to snap, you got to allow defenses to make substitutions snap to snap, and you can't snap the ball until our guys are set on defense. So therefore, we have this rule that you'll see on Sunday that people go to nickel packages and dime packages. This is all an offshoot of Coriel. And then obviously his coaching staffs, you know, led, led by Joe Gibbs uh, and John Madden were on his coaching staff. And the, and the tree of assistants that came out, Coriel's staff at San Diego, just spectacular. So he was, he was a unique, he was a really different gentleman. He was eclectic. He was eccentric. He was ultra paranoid. He would look around the corner and make sure Al Davis wasn't there or there's a plane flying over my practice field. Who's in that plane? He was nuts about that. But he he gave them some phenomenal years here. And the people in San Diego have never, ever forgotten. So we're, as delayed as it was, we're so happy that Eric Coriel and all of his players, led by Dan Fouts, uh, a whole pile of those wide receivers are all in Canton. And now Coach Coriel will join them in August. All right. Well, Lee, we're wrapping up here. Uh, I asked the chat, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? And you're telling me it's going to be a close game. Well, 53% of the voters say Eagles, 47% say Chiefs. We do have a line. Eagles are our favorite. We're green. We're- uh, I think Fletcher Cox and that pass rush with Hassan Riddick, uh, they're going to cause Mahomes some problems. Not to say Patrick's not going to get him down the field, not to say not going to score some touchdowns, but I, I, I would bet they'll probably kick as many field goals as touchdowns. I'm picking Philadelphia 29-23 just based – not on Jalen Hurts and just based on Mahomes and based on Philadelphia's defense. I I think they're going to show up and they're going to bloody Kansas City's nose a little bit. There it's good thing you're telling me that. I think if Hustler was here, maybe you'd have to give a different answer. He'd make you give a different one for the show. But, Lee, always great having you on to talk NFL. And as you said, once the game's done, it's so much offseason stuff, the draft coming up as well. Always NFL is 24-7. So thank you so much, Lee. For your time and Mikey, good to talk to you and listen i'd hope everybody in in winnipeg and manitoba that take part in in your uh podcast check check my website out leehacksawhamilton.com and check my podcast because we just put the podcast up i did a across the board super bowl preview and a recap of everybody but my golden retriever who got traded yesterday in the nba i've never seen anything like that so if you like sports Check my website out each night, and my podcast is up and running on YouTube right now. Mike, have yourself a great sports weekend. We'll catch you guys next Friday. Yeah, thanks again, Lee. Great great talking with you. And Thank you. There's Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. I will say Lee on Twitter as well, Hacksaw1090, and the link to his YouTube channel in the description of this video. You can also search for Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. He's putting out uh, a content machine on his website and the podcast. Now, I appreciate him. Coming on, and yes, marbles, it's open. Exclamation mark marbles in the chat. Get in. We'll be running the race after the show. Uh, and if, hey, if you're going in the marble race, make sure you hit that thumbs up, hit the subscribe. Helps us out a ton in telling YouTube we got good content here, recommending it to people who might be interested, and we'll click on it if they see our great thumbnails every day. We got one more message from Huss. We'll go over the cool bed lines, and then we can run. The Marble Race here on a Friday. And I see the chat at 51% Eagles. Now, a lot of people uh, going anti hacksaw here. 
Here's Hus for one more. If you're looking to add beer to the menu, make it Winnipeg's finest local beer, Little Brown Jug. You can pop by Little Brown Jug on William Avenue and check out all your favorites, including the new Good Times Variety Pack with three with four new beers. Or you can find Little Brown Jug around the city wherever they sell good beer. And don't forget, you can go online, littlebrownjug.ca, and order online for citywide delivery. And a big shout-out to our friends Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Talking Niverville Nighthawks yesterday in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. Of course, before and after anything in Niverville, you can pop by the Nick and Nikki DQ right there. And then three others in Winnipeg, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Try the two cheese bacon double stack burger, my personal favorite. All those great blizzard treats. And you can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. If you want to get a custom order for an ice cream or blizzard cake for an event coming up, thanks again to Nick and Dickie for their great support of WST. There's us. Uh, does such a great job. On those gives me a breather. You know, I hosted, uh, was it last week when Huss was returning from the AFC or two weeks ago? And I hadn't done it for a while, and I was really rusty. And way I, did, I wasn't happy with it, so I feel like it's gone a lot better. For me today, we're excited to talk about this Jets 9 p.m. game, Super Bowl, and it's not a Friday without the, without, sorry, it's not a, a end of the show here without going over the cool bet lines. We're going to look at some Super Bowl stuff here. Let me bring it up. Let's look at the fun props. You don't care about the game. Eagles minus one and a half, Chiefs plus one and a half. Do they got the coin toss? I haven't even looked. Do they got the coin toss on here? Any of that fun, any of that fun stuff? Uh, I don't know if anyone's got a lean with Eagles 52. I think first touchdown, always fun. Uh, TD score. What do you want to go first? Kelsey's the favorite, plus 650. Uh, maybe you want to go Dallas Goddard's not bad. If you want to go tight ends, plus 1100. Uh, anytime TD score as well. Oh, Kenny Gamewell, plus 275. Like these, the list of props here is absolutely insane. Um, though there's a halftime section. Oh my god, okay. This is what we want here. This is the halftime section. We can go over these. Oh, baby, to make an appearance on stage with Rihanna, Jay Z minus 500, Drake minus 300, Eminem plus 200, ASAP Rocky plus 250, Future plus 1000, TI plus 700. Oh man, uh, would Eminem make an appearance with Rihanna? They got some songs. Oh, man. I don't know. I see other people shouting out touchdown scores. Maul says Boston Scott. Jeff Cabela says he'd take Goddard. Rihanna hair color. Black, black minus 1,000. Blonde, plus 600. Red, plus 900. Pink, plus 1,000. Purple, plus 1,000. Blue, plus 1,500. Anyone got a lean on what her hair color is? Did she do a press conference? They used to have a press conference with the... Um, with the... Uh, musical act, and I don't, I don't know. I guess you could always wear a wig. Waiters thinks T.I. is going to be there. And Rihanna, dress, shirt color. There's a lot of colors. Black, minus 200. White, plus 450. Gray and silver. There's too much, too much nuance to colors. I don't know if I would want to bet on that. But I do like betting on the post-game. Color of liquid poured on the winning team's head coach. This is the bet. This is the best one. Everyone cares about the liquid. Um, 
Green, yellow, lime, plus 150. Orange, plus 250. Blue, plus 400. Red, pink, plus 600. Clear water, plus 1,000. Purple. I didn't know what it was. Maybe you could do some video analysis on the past Eagles and Chiefs playoff wins, but I don't even know if this is the working strategy anymore, but I do enjoy correlating. I just like, I think it's just a good bit, correlating, correlating color with the team. So if you're the, you think the Chiefs are going to win, take red, pink, Gatorade. You think the Eagles are going to win, take green, uh, yellow, lime. I always thought clear slash water, clear is, would be higher than plus 1,000. Maybe there's some value. What, do we want to do first mention by MVP in, ex- in acceptance speech? Teammates, team, minus 154. Religious reference, plus 150. The city and fans, plus 1,000. Personal family, plus 1,600. The coaches, plus 2,000. And the owner, plus 4,000. I always hate these celebrations where they give it to the owner first. Cross sport props, anything with the, with the Jets? or Like you could bet on, okay, what's got more? Devontae Smith receptions in the Super Bowl or Ovechkin shots on goal February 12th versus the Sharks. Like, who's, who's betting on, on this stuff? Some of, this, some of these are hilarious. Uh, I'll say I'll read that one. Uh, any, other, any other good specials here? Any good pregame? Oh, yes. Sorry. Pregame. Is it going to be? Can you bet on heads? Here it is. Opening coin toss. Even money heads plus 100, tails plus 100. Who wants to bet on the coin toss? And also, the big one at our Super Bowl party is the length of the national anthem from first note sung to last note sung 127 seconds over under. Uh, over is minus 154 under. I usually take the over. I don't even know who's doing the anthem. I used to do like analysis on who it was going to be. Uh, the national betting on the national anthem. God, I like doing. I mean, I I think if you're doing a if you're doing a Super Bowl party, there's a, you do a prop pool. Uh, that's the one that everyone like. We would be timing it, so I I love that. Anyways, MVP, we can do MVP. We'll do this. Mahomes favorite hurts. I think if you're the Eagles, more likely to be a non uh, a non quarterback. Could be a running back, could it be Miles Sanders, maybe you think it's Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, they got those three-headed monster there. Uh, Hacksaw mentioned Hassan Reddick, he's plus 3,000. Uh, so there, there you go. And we can just look at hockey. Is there some games tonight? Maybe you want to t- look at the Blackhawks hosting Arizona in the Tank Bowl. Uh, Blackhawks minus 102. Coyotes plus 115. And we got, what, Penguins? Big favorites over the Ducks, man. The Ducks having a miserable season. The Rangers, you get a chance to see Tarasenko in his first game against the Kraken. They're minus 202. And the Leafs, big favorites, minus 256 against the Blue Jackets. Well, it's 302. Last call for marbles. And I'll start getting it all ready here because, man, my throat. Get, I need some water. I'm out here. Where's my mouse? Well, this has been fun. Uh, this actually went pretty well, I thought. I hope everyone had a good time uh, with the show. You know, talk Jets, trade deadline. We're on Trade Watch every day. Bad team play in the toilet bowl, not the tank bowl. I thought it was the tank bowl, no? Anyways, I watch all... And yeah, there's, I see people mentioning there's a big UFC. UFC's got a big stretch coming up here. Uh, John Jones is in one. And who's the other guy? There's another big fight, too. Uh, someone sent it to me. There's too many UFCs for me to keep track. Yeah, Ben says too many cards. These I agree. I loved UFC like 
before UFC 100 where you'd have like a really big card every couple months. Now it's like every week there's a card. Um, and it's really, you know, it's, I find it really hard to follow, but I'll tune in for the big fights. Anyways, I'm stopping this. Uh, everyone says, great. Hey, you said pretty MP. Pretty MP. I'm going to show you on our Facebook page. Thank you uh, for the comment. Everyone's giving me well done. I appreciate that, guys. I'm closing the entries. Looking at the marbles. We got, oh, man, 206. This is going to be a massive marble race. 206 marbles. Oh, bye, yo, says, great show. I listen. You appreciate that. Appreciate that. Oh, McGregor's coming up. Yeah, I, I can't follow UFC. There's too many cards. I liked it better when uh, there wasn't a lot of cards, but they probably didn't like it better because they weren't making all that money. Anyways, I'm highlighting all of the names, and we're going to put them in. I have to put in a notepad folder. When was trouble folding laundry? Yeah, I don't have time to fold laundry these days. I got, got a newborn at home. Are we putting in any? So we have 200 and... Seven names? Did I really get that many? Yeah, 206 names. Any other bonus names? Who do we want? Oh, Maul's asking for side bets. 206 names. Uh, I think Kenny Lawler gets a name. Kenny Lawler gets a name. And anyone else want a marble? We put on, we'll put on Nick Dembski. He came on the show. Nick Dembski came on. Royal Sports' GSP leaving caused a lot of... Can That's actually a good point. We haven't had a big Canadian UFC star like GSP. Also, at the end of GSP's career, you know, his fights got kind of boring where he just sit on... I mean, he loved... He was so great technically, but he would just sit on a guy for five rounds and then apologize. He couldn't knock them out, but he was, he was a legend. Give Domi a marble, the new Jet. That's not true. Uh, Timo Meyer. Should we put Timo Meyer in? I'm not putting in LeBron Marble because then there's going to be should M, people arguing that MJ should get an R, should get a marble too. So not Le LeBron. Timo Meyer will get one, and I'll give one to Huss. Huss will get one because it's his birthday and he's out of town. Oh, Dino says Jerry the King Lawler. He had a medical incident. He's doing bad. I don't know if I'm going to put Jerry the King in. Waiter says GSP would cuddle. Yeah, they would just hug, and he would just get on top of a guy and hug him for five minutes. Or sorry, for five rounds. I loved watching GSP. He was so great technically, but you know, if you're trying to attract casual fans, I think they want to see two guys get in there and just smash each other in the head. Um, anyways, let's uh, save this file. Marbles, Feb 10. Head into the weekend. Oh yeah, you know, sorry, Keith Barrell says, how about the Canadian golfers in Phoenix? You know, I haven't even mentioned it. Waste Management Open. Uh, Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin, they are in the clubhouse, tied for fourth at minus five. That is awesome. I, you know, I haven't watched it because I'm getting ready for this, doing this, but um, that's awesome to see those two guys, uh, Nick Taylor, Adam Hadwin. We were talking about Corey Connors as a guy who could get in there, and there he is, um, minus one. He's tied 26, so uh, pretty cool to see some Canadian, uh, Canadian in the thing in the. Uh, leaderboard there so marbles we got how many what 210 after the bonus marbles i didn't put in lebron because everyone said if i put in lebron i got to put in jordan some people say if you're putting in lebron you got to put two jordans in the lebron jordan debates will never die <laughs> how can we have golf talk without dubs these dubs will come on 
Missing Monk says, great job, host. Thank you. All right, let's... Okay, before I get to the marbles, we do have to play a marble song, and I will close all my tabs. I got... I don't know about you guys, but some people might look at, like, my unread emails on my phone and cringe. It might be over, like, 10,000. And the number of tabs I have open, pretty significant number. So some people might get, like, anxiety looking at my computer. Not me. I'm a big tab guy. I never have too many tabs open. Anyways, marble song. Which one are you guys want to hear today? Which marble song? I got a whole whack of them. Shout out to Tristan Rivers Music and Candace. I think I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood for this one. This is the one that started it all. I said to Tristan Rivers, I said, I want this type of a song because I, I love this. And here it is with the marble song. It's Friday, another week of words gone by. You deserve to treat yourself, maybe an ice cream cake or a bottle of rye. Phone the whole day in, so lax you can't deny. Why use effort even for pleasure? that i love acoustic versions of um rock songs i don't don't know i don't even know if the marble song is technically a rock song but like nothing like guys rocking out on acoustic guitars Uh, i always enjoy dave grohl and foo fighters have some good acoustic you can search on youtube or maybe they have them on on the spotify or if you're an apple music guy i don't know what everyone out there uses but judging by podcast downloads i imagine a lot of apple apple people Anyways, I got to pick a chorus here. I saw someone shouting out Coils of Power. Um, anyone have any ideas on what I should pick? We got 210 marbles in the marble race, and I get to do play-by-play. Temple of Steve? Have we done Temple of Steve in a while? I like Temple of Steve. We got 210. Doja. He says the dojo. The dojo. Anyways, I think Temple of Steve is good, isn't it? Oh, yes. Chris Rimmitz says the Chris Cornell unplugged tunes are... I agree. He is a... I didn't go to that show when he came here and played at the um, played at the concert hall. I was out of town, and I'm... that. There's a couple of shows that have come through that I didn't go, and that is one of them that I... Oh, I can't really regret I wasn't here. It's, I mean, I probably would have gone if I was, so I didn't have to make that tough decision, but I heard it was unreal and uh, sad that he is no longer with us, but I was at the Audio Slave show here in was that 07, I think? I think it was 07. Anyway, I'll shut up. Because people don't want to hear me talk. They want me to drop the marbles. And here we go. Temple of Steve. I believe this is a good one. Yeah, I think this is a good one. And we're off into the funnel. It's your boy Gru says he saw Soundgarden at the old arena. There you go. 
I see Rob Somerville in there. Craig Smith. What's up, Craig? SK wants the Jets to get Vimelka Drew music. K6000. I've never seen him before, but he's in. K6000. Ahead of everyone with Craig Smith behind. So we're going around this loop here. Jeff Wozni, Jeff Doiron, slowly behind, but it's K6000 in the lead. And around the bend, he's got a lead, but he's got to go through this first obstacle, this turny thing with a fence. He's trying to get through, but he gets stuffed. It's Craig Smith going right through, not Craig Smith from the Nashville Predators. I think he's on Boston now. Anyways, different Craig Smith, but he's through, and they're going down this obstacle. There's so many marbles behind it's anyone's game. K6000 after getting. So he's back in the lead, going through this fence. And there's two directions. Well, marbles on the right. Marbles on the left. A couple different obstacles. And they're going down the spinny slide. Reminds me of the old stairs at the uh, Winnipeg Stadium here. Remember how you'd walk, have to walk up that thing? I can't even see what's going on, but there's marbles getting banged around by the fence. Other marbles in the, in the thing. And it's Craig Smith in the lead. Shixer says, I sound tired. I... Uh, I'm, I'm battling through, uh, through Schickster, but it's Craig Smith. He's got a big lead here over everyone, and he's got a straightaway to go. But K6000 and Rob Wright are behind him. Craig Smith, he's going down this final straightaway stretch, but it's going to be a tough call for the end. He's got to land directly on this platform. Will he be able to do it? Has he picked the right way? He's on the left. Other people are going to the right. Who is going to land on there first? And the... The platform is going back and forth, back and forth. And oh, bad, yo, just fell. Craig Smith fell. Bye-bye. Who is it going to be? Rob Wright's in there. K6000. And it is Rob Wright. Oh, man. Finishes that one off. Rob Wright outlasts everyone. There was a couple people like Craig Smith and oh, bad, yo, I thought was going to take it. But Rob Wright lands on the platform that was moving back and forth from side to side. Each marble going from left to right. On the left track or the right track it was anyone's win. K6000 led most of that race, got second. Todd Bertani in third. Peg City Dude fourth. Val L fifth. Slurp Whirlpool. What's up, Slurp in sixth? Michael Smith three seven. Tackleberry uh, eighth. Ken 007 ninth. And Shane Mason. Uh, what a finish there. And there's BA Split finishing up the rear. What's up, BA? Uh, that was a, a crazy, that was a crazy finish. That's why we love Temple of Steve for the finish. Um, really anyone's race. Sorry, Craig, I thought you were going to take it. Uh, yeah, Gre Jeff Cabello says, I bet Gregory is losing his poop. He does not like this track. Nicole J loves it. She says it's the best course. And Chris Rumet says, uh, Craig Smith is like the number one entry in the Rumble only to get knocked out last. Uh, there it is. What a... What a race. B.A. Split can't, can't finish. He's, he's going around there. And finally, there we go. Rob Wright. And we have to go through the whole list. People love seeing their name. I know that. They also love seeing if there's any side bets. I haven't seen Ross Ransby or Bozeman in the chat, but that's a thing. These two guys have side bets against each other. And Ross maybe lets his staff go home early. Is, is anyone watching this at an exotic location? As well, uh, someone uh, said they were in the Mayan Riviera and tweeted or DM'd me an Instagram photo of uh, the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie on a boat. And there's Rob Wright. So Rob, send us an email, uh, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com, and uh, we will be in touch about your prize. 
Uh, what site do I use? This is Marbles on Steam, Bart. Marbles on Steam. Anyways, I'll scroll down. As we wind down the show, oh, there's Haas. He finished in 30th for his 30th birthday. Uh, there's Eric Jorleafson, Delta Blues 007. Uh, Nick Dembski in 38th. Donnie Boy, 39th. Linden. What's up, Leslie in 42nd. Mark A in 43. Larry TSG, 47. Royal Sports, 48. Uh, I see Joey Panku in uh, 51. Ishboy Bruce, 54. Running Man. Paul Carr. Kenny Lawler, 58. Dr. Keating, 59. Hustler Llama in 60. Uh, who else? I got Al Broderick, 64. Scardi, 66. Alana Sutton, former winner, 67. Turd Ferguson, a very nice, 69. Who we got? T-T-T-T-Bone, 73rd. I Heart Gaming, 77. I see Travis, 78. Rob Pepper, who tweeted out as 82nd. And BA Split in last. So a lot of DNFs in this one. I didn't see Ross Ransby. This is only 30. <laughs> David Asplund. Uh, that, one, that one was a joke. That was, unless we're all making jokes here, age jokes. Anyways, that was so much fun. Uh, that was so much fun. Here's all the people who got thrown over the top rope. So. Maybe you see your name there. Anyways. Thank you all for tuning in for me today. I'll be here on Monday. Big Monday show and Tuesday. You're stuck with me. Recapping the Jets. Recapping the Super Bowl. Uh, Monday, I will have on, hopefully, I got to confirm with Jeff Hamilton. CFL Free Agency. and. Dave Poulin on NHL. You know, I'm going to talk about the trade deadline uh, here with Jeff. And I know Skylar Peters of CJOB is going to come on with me. We'll recap the Super Bowl, Jets, whatever. Lots to talk about with Skylar, who I enjoy having on. Well, again, great show. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors and all of our guests, Dennis Bernstein, uh, Jay Zawoski, some great intel on the Blackhawks. If you missed that and want to know how these guys can help teams at the deadline, I would listen to that conversation. Scott Billick on the Jets and Hacksaw on the NFL. Always fantastic with Hacksaw. I'm going to go grab some water, enjoy my weekend. I'm glad you will all enjoy. Thank you for hanging out. Make sure on your way out, if you haven't, hit the red subscribe button, hit the thumbs up, turn on the notifications. Uh, tells YouTube we are putting out good content. We'll recommend it to more people. Uh, you can do all that. And hey, follow us on the social medias too. Uh, we got Instagram here, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. If you're not on TikTok, I love, I love TikTok. It's the best. So anyways, I'll stop talking because uh, we've got to put these podcasts up. And oh yeah, if you're on YouTube, uh, subscribe to us on the podcast too. Apple, Spotify, those are my two that I prefer. Maybe you like another more obscure one. But even if you're not subscribed yet, go do it. It'll help our numbers. And if you're listening on podcasts, you've made it this far. Congratulations. I wonder what you think of the marble race. But uh, come on the YouTube. Say hi and leave a comment after the show or uh, hit the subscribe button. So thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, who's come out. All right. Uh, I'll say peace and love. Peace and love. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. 
Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.